I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Recording in progress. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I have the hiccups, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. I apologize in advance for the hiccups that I'm going to be putting forth in the first half of this. Luckily, our guest today uh, can talk just as quickly, loudly, and as well as I. We are picking up last week's uh, last week's uh, cliffhanger. We are now going to be covering Lethal Weapon 3 and Lethal Weapon Four. So welcoming back to I Like to Movie Movie, Alex Perlman. Thank you so much for having me back, Dan. I can't believe it's been a full week since I've last hung out with you. A full week, which is how long it took our Zoom meeting to render the giant file that we just put forth of Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Yeah. So welcome back once again. I, am, I, I wish, you know, originally we were planning on doing this in person. Uh, you know, because I haven't seen you in person in years. Uh, but, you know, a, a giant blizzard has blown through the Philadelphia region. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but this has actually been this is actually pretty fun because I have nothing else to do today. So let's talk about the um, two movies I don't think I've ever hated more. Actually, Fair no, enough. four is OK. Four is fine. Four three, is fun, but there's a lot is, of uh, dated elements. God awful. Three is pretty bad, but still awesome. And uh, before we get started, though, quick reminder, everything about this show you can find at Movie Movie Cast on all of the different platforms. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Check out the Movie John Podcast Network. And as always, you can find everything I do at ScullyVision.com. And uh, depending on when this dropped, I will say thank you for coming out to Satoyo's uh, album recording show. And I just haven't done the math yet. But uh, it if, if, I think, if not, I think we'll you be. can still probably get tickets. Yeah, so, I think you still can. If, awesome. if 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 you were listening to this before February 16th, 2022 at 8 p.m., you can pop over to philadelphia.heliumcomedy.com slash shows slash shows slash shows slash 158383. Or if you're in Philadelphia, just go over to the Helium Comedy Theater on 20th and Sansom Street um, at before 8 p.m. And you can see uh, my good friend and co-host of Them Boys podcast, along with other podcasts, Satoyo, uh, get on stage and uh, record an album. He's been excited about this for a very long time. Um, it should not be lost on anyone that he's recording his album, uh, Dead Center, in the middle of Black History Month. Uh, but oh, we, yeah. are covering, we are covering these uh, Lethal Weapon ones because Satoyo and I do a podcast together. Um, and that is kind of like our buddy cop movie trying to get through life. Um, you know, I, he is a guy who is too old for this shit, and I am a virulent racist. So that's why we're able to <laughs> mix together so well. And um, you can find Them Boys Podcast wherever podcasts are sold. And yep. also on Twitter, it's at 
at them boys pod them boys pod so make sure you give that a follow um i have a lot of friends with podcasts and this is one of the few that i actually make time to listen to it's very good to listen to while i work um friend of the show a former guest who was on our village episode kevin lau described your podcast as he said i really like it i love listening to satoyo talk about race but then i get mad when he talks about wrestling so uh (laughs) apparently he has a lot of really great opinions on race and bad ones on wrestling and I have never heard a more, I I don't know what a good or bad opinion on wrestling is, but uh, that's the dynamic and I highly recommend them boys. Well, here's, here's, here's the best way to put it. Like Satoya and I agree on a lot of different things. Um, But then every once in a while, I'll tell him that Shawn Michaels is better than Bret Hart just to get a rise out of him. I don't believe it. Um, It's an unbelievable thing to say, but it's fun to listen to that man have an aneurysm and you can actually hear blood vessels pop um, live on the recording. Uh, but yeah, that, at them boys pod is a, uh, it's a fun one. Uh, I think you've been on the that show once or twice, right? No, no, I have not been on it, but I would certainly no? love to, although okay. it would probably amount to me just sitting between the two of you giggling because uh, <laughs> two of us screaming, if well, ever there was an opportunity to get a word in edgewise, it's probably not going to be found as the third man <laughs> on them boys. But honestly, to tell you the truth, I got no business saying any shit about race and I don't know anything about wrestling. So it would actually be great for me to just be chilling. Well, we would probably talk more about movies with you on. I mean, Satoya was on an episode of, uh, was was Satoya on this? You did the Get Out? Satoya has been, he was on the Get Out episode of uh, Movie Movie. Uh, And uh, you've been on a movie movie in the past. I was on the Bone Bone Tomahawk. I remember because I had the most horrifying toothache that day that I had to go get oral surgery to fix the next week. And I just sat there in misery, but Bone Tomahawk took me out of that misery. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk, I almost canceled that episode. A, a movie that I would never probably have watched on my own, um, but you guys talked me into. I'm a big fan of Westerns. Um, I like a lot of modern Westerns a lot. I'm not a big fan of horror, um, especially body horror, which Bone Tomahawk does have some moments of. Um, the the yeah. title is tied directly to that moment. Yes. I remember it, too, because we were watching it in conjunction accidentally with Patton Oswalt sort of live tweeting about it. And yes. he kept saying that, like, I keep being told that there's a the scene. Is it the scene yet? And we did the same thing and we're like, that's got to be the scene. That was fucked up. But then once the scene showed up, it announces itself. Yes, and it, it was is. Quite the uh, scene. And it is a level of violence that Lethal Weapon, uh, any of the Lethal Weapon movies, uh, will never be able to reach. Um, because Shall the thing we... is, 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 yeah, let, let's get into it. Um, let's get into Lethal Weapon 3. A, a movie, I don't think, an experience that I, I cannot uh, believe I hated as much as I did. It was an awful experience. Lethal Weapon 3, 1 and 2, so 1 has its time and place. It's a building block of the franchise. Yeah. 2, two I think, is, is where is, the formula hits its stride. It's a formula, yep. Three is them not like, it's like, okay, we, we need to make a cheeseburger, right? Mm-hmm. What do cheeseburgers have? Cheeseburgers have bread, they have meat, they have cheese, uh, lettuce, and, and maybe onions. And they're, and they're like, okay, cool. And then they hand you a ham sandwich. And you're like, <laughs> it's, I, okay, no, I see, I see what you were, okay, all right. Yeah. This is weird. It's like, I didn't, you weren't specific enough. You're like, I ordered because, Legos, you brought me Duplos, but that's yeah, fine. You know, we no, can still it, build. It's, it's fine. It, it's the, the, the first thing I want to go ahead and start off, because I, I took, I took copious notes on this one, because I, I hated do have some notes this here. movie. 
Well, I hated this movie because I opens. want to point out a little piece of trivia here because uh, what's happening now, as was expected with the introduction of Leo Getz and Lethal Weapon 2, set this idea that we now have to start building this family. We need to yeah. add a new character. Yes. And so they added the character of uh, Lorna. So, 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 so to be clear, the first two movies, they're like, here's here's Murtaugh. We're, we're introducing Riggs, yeah. right? So it's like, we're introducing, we have a white character and a black character and the family. Yeah, now second that they're movie, both murderers, we need movie, a foil for that. Yeah, so, and for the second movie, Leo gets. we're going we're gonna to add in Jew accountant. Yeah. Um, and then for the third movie, they're like, what about a woman? No, what about lady who acts like a guy? Got it. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing. An interesting, cool piece of trivia about Lethal Weapon 3 is that because of the introduction of this character, the screenwriter said, we need to sort of, we got to get a lady in here to sort of give this a, give this a feminine edge so that it reads more true. And so they did. Would you care to guess who that woman was that did an uncredited rewrite and pass on the script? Um, no, I have no idea. This person is actually tied to many scripts, some with credits, some without credits, but one of the most notoriously successful and notoriously undercredited script doctors in history is Princess Leia herself, Carrie Fisher. Oh, I did not. Carrie Fisher did a pass on this script, and it was her job to try and take Make. what was probably a garbage characterization of Lorna and then turn it into something more workable. And so I can only imagine what her character was like before this, this pass, well, but who the, knows? The one thing I will say about Lorna Renee Russo's character is that she is wearing probably the most 90s vest possible. Oh yeah. Um, like early 90s, that weird sort of woven, like midwet, like, southwestern style vest well, we'll that's get what, more into her a little bit when i see that vest though what's weird to me is that when this movie came out she was probably of a similar age to my mom and therefore similarly dressed or whatever so like even though she was like a hip your young mom at woman, that time yeah, yeah at that time even though she was a hip young woman in what year is this 93 i want to say I, um, so. I was nine years old. So it's just when I see her, I don't see her as a hip young woman. I see her as mom jeans McCormick. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a weird thing to look back on. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was born in 1954. So she's exactly okay. my mom she, was 51. So yeah. Yeah, my 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 parents are 55. So she is she is exactly at our parents' age. So this is watching our parents as murderous cops like that is what this, Which, these movies are to be fair talking to my parents over the events of the past two years or so yeah um very a, very, very into the idea yeah. of of cops sort oh, of and, being and, able to shoot first and ask questions later. and we're going to talk a lot about that as we get deeper into the lethal weapon three uh plot which um does not exist i want to point out it is also horrifying but but let's it's just horrifying start and it is definitely like at the time I would imagine that the angle they were trying to take, and we'll get into it, was a rather progressive one. Yes. In about, about crooked cops. About crooked cops, about the idea of how guns get on the streets. Um, yes. But at the time, also about the idea of whose responsibility it is, which it in is. hindsight now is wrong about the yeah. responsibility. But, so, but, but this sort is of a toy with this, those ideas. And this in is hindsight, a delicate, it's tasteless. Well, it's a delicate topic that needs to be ha handled with a scalpel. Yes. And instead it is handled- oh, with a bomb. With literal dynamite, <laughs> yeah. It is uh, insane. So let's go ahead and start off. The movie opens um, with intro, an intro song by Sting and Flames. 
Yes, that's um, the craziest thing. It's, 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 it's a, so the first movie. It's the hit. day when title cards would literally explode onto the screen. Yes. It's been yes. a while, which so, I don't know but, if you watched the most recent episode of Peacemaker. They do I a really. Yet. I didn't watch this week's yet, but I'll I've, just I've put it watching... this way: Steve Agee's character makes a PowerPoint presentation that does comment lightly on what I just said. Gotcha. So, but, <laughs> but, but 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 let's go back to the prior movies, right? The first movie opens with tits and cocaine and a suicide. Yep. The second movie opens right into um, car chase. Yeah. a car chase. The third movie, uh, this one opens right into. Oh wait, I remember. The, yeah, it's the, a cut the, the wire scene. It's a cut the wire scene, but it's really the, the Sting song yeah. with flames happening everywhere, right? And so that's that kind of build that starts on it. And then we immediately are in the wire touch and waiting for the bomb squad. And the part that actually drove me the most crazy about this is it starts to go a little bit backside, a little bit closer to one because Murtaugh is eight. He announces he's eight days, eight from, days retirement. from retirement. And it, this is him just trying to survive for but eight days while Riggs tries to get him murdered. There's, there's a weird silent self-awareness there that, that Murtaugh has because uh, Riggs is like, there's not a bomb in there. We don't have to wait for the bomb squad. And he's like, yes, there is. There is a bomb. And he's like, oh, Raj, how do you know there's a bomb? And he's like, how do I know there's a bomb? Because there are eight days until I retire. That's yeah. how I know there's a bomb. And it's yes. like, oh, Murtaugh's seen the first two movies. Now, now, as someone who used to work security uh, at, <laughs> in malls. I forgot about that. I, I will say. Um, I am literally actually, a fucking Paul Blart. When, um, when it come down to the line of there's not really a bomb in there. Uh, we're all just overreacting. Um as someone who's been through four different uh, bomb threats, uh, Riggs' mentality, while incorrect in procedure, is more correct of how these things usually go. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I've I can't tell you how many times I had to shut down a parking garage because someone found a, a mysterious bag, and I was like, "This is literal garbage. This is literally someone has dumped garbage." But because it's a parking garage, people assume that at the mall, people assume that they were going to blow up. The parking garage connected to Boscov's. Like, oh, yeah. no one gives a shit about Boscov's to blow it up. But in this case, yeah, it's uh, a massive Bane, Bane really wants to take down King of Prussia. Yeah. I actually, so um, well, the part Riggs, of- I mean, Murtaugh also says a line right at the beginning, which to piggyback on what you said on the previous episode, when they arrive for the bomb squad call, there's yeah. nobody higher ranking than either of them Again, to and say, sergeants. hey, don't go in. But they go in and Riggs says, trust me. And then, uh, Murtaugh looks at him and says, trust me, that's what that's always my first mistake. Yeah. As if like, I'm aware of the formula. He could yeah. have said that's always my first mistake and then done a finger gesture like that. Like or pointing, look directly into pointing the to the saxophone riff, you know, <laughs> because yeah. one happens right there. Yeah. Um, the other point is, as they get to the bomb, the bomb, right? Again, the bomb squad is on the way. Yeah. As they get closer to the bomb, they, there's a cat jumps down. They freak out. Well, and Riggs, Riggs keeps, says the bomb squad always shows up two minutes too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah Which, it's like always again, like that. The, who gives a shit then? Yeah. Like, you, you don't, it's not your job, right? It's not your job to fuck with the bomb. You don't need to fuck with the bomb. The building is empty. It's not like yeah. you have to go in there. There wasn't, there was absolutely no issue beyond this bomb existing. There wasn't a late old lady stuck on the third floor who needs help being carried down. Yeah, there, there was just a fucking any, cat. The only thing, the only thing that's in peril is literal property. 
which proving once again to all copaganda, they're not there to protect people. They're there they're only there to, to protect, protect property. property. <laughs> so I actually wrote, I, even if Riggs does dismantle the bomb, what's the point? Yeah, like I actually wrote that down and followed up by the line, I've begun to hate Riggs. Yeah. It has taken me, we're at the beginning of the fifth hour of being in the same universe yeah, in as this Riggs. Los Angeles. Yeah. In this Los Angeles. I was like, in Riggs and Murtaugh's Los Angeles. Now, here's my one question though is, did they really blow up an actual building like in the Dark Knight? Or is that I a model? Think so. It looked really good. It's a great explosion and it's, it's a, a great explosion. explosion. And I got to say, this scene is patently ridiculous, but the comic timing is really fantastic. Yep. That's one thing that, they, that they're leaning into here is the fact that even with terrible material, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson have great rapport and they yes. just know how to make it work. But it's filled with terrible lines like this, much in the same way. Like there's so many weird mini issues that they try to touch upon that are dated. Uh, in Lethal mm -hmm. Weapon 2, they make mention of, ah, this was made in Japan. So they're like, big concern is bringing jobs back home, which, you know, yeah. is that kind of a thing, which is so ridiculous. In this one, there's a weird social commentary here. Riggs looks at the bomb and he goes, oh, that's definitely real. Quote, it's got more plastic than share. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 big belly laughs for me. It's 1993 and those celebrities sure get too much plastic surgery shaking my fist at the girl. Which is hilarious Ridiculous. now that now that Mel has had work done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mel, he's, who, trying to stay, who, he's trying to stay young. In keeping uh, in keeping uh, in brand with 1993, Mel Gibson, who has graduated to ponytail in this movie. Yeah. He has graduated yeah. to ponytail because uh, in, in the early 90s, as we moved away from buns, because we started to get censorious about nudity in the early 90s, uh, we started uh, all male heroes had to have a ponytail to be like Steven yeah. Seagalish. Yeah. Or and Van Damme. Yeah. Well, what it was is it was slowly taking the long haired 80s guy. Yeah. He put the ponytail in so now he can go to work. And then by the late the gap, 90s. Yeah. By the late 90s, he finally will just cut the ponytail off and have short hair, which is what he does in Lethal Weapon In Lethal 4. Weapon 4, yeah. Um, but in this one, so, so they blow up the building, and then the bomb squad arrives, proving their point. The bomb squad does only arrive two minutes late, but if they Only because he accelerated it. Yeah. Yes, exactly, because he cut a wire which accelerated. Now, also, he could have easily cut a wire that would have blown the whole thing up, but the one thing that's always bothered me about red wire, blue wire conversations in movies is, like, yes, there are some bombs that follow plants right but they're like the color of the the casing of the wire means nothing it means nothing like the whole thing could be red wires the whole thing could not even have like spooling on it they could just be uninsulated wires or they, they could, could be wires be that were just chosen at random he just yeah. ran out of blue it, wire when he was rigging yeah, it okay, now he yeah, does red it, like like there isn't a specific thing. And then also the, the bullshit of, oh yeah, look at me, I'm a bomb squad guy. Or like, I understand my explosives. He opens up, he says some random, this is a KX-92 or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. It's like, again, they don't make, there isn't a company. Yeah. There isn't like the Sony of bombs. Like It's, it's like, Raj, I read the Anarchist cookbook. I know, Raj, this is a- <laughs> Yeah. And also like, so, okay, so this bomb goes off, right? Does this bomb have anything to, besides this, putting them on the path to the rest of the movie? Does this bomb have anything to do with the rest of the plot? Or is this just a device that gets them onto the street I for the robbery? Think, I think it does, because okay. I'm pretty sure that this bomb, and I forget if it's written into the script, I might be giving it much more credit than, than it deserves. Mm -hmm. But I think since the bad guy is trying to do shit with real estate, okay, 
fucking with the values of a piece of property via explosions is a very lethal weapon world villain idea of how to fuck with uh, prices and the market in terms of selling, owning, and, and developing real estate. I mean, but it also might just be really fucking stupid and we just needed an explosion because Joel Silver was screaming about an explosion. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, the explosion, like this- it kicks this and the explosion, then blowing up the hospital in The Dark Knight with yeah. Heath Ledger. Like, those are probably like two of my favorite building explosions I've They're seen. Great. You know, other ones that are clear models, like blowing up the White House and Independence Day and things along that line, those are also very, very good. But this explosion on my HGTV in my, on my third floor with my speaker and everything looked awesome. It's, That's why I legit could you not go, tell. Wow. Like, yeah. I could not tell if this was a model or if they were like, no. Well, it's LA. We're going to blow up a building. You know, this building's going to be demolished anyway. Do you want to make movie money with demolishing yeah. the movie? I could see it going either way, and I refuse to look it up. Um, right, also, it's on. probably both. There's probably yeah. a little bit of, uh, of you know, they, they blew up a giant thing, but then they did models for fillers. I wanted to point out that uh, the bomb squad, when they show up and oh, see that it has blown up, they all collectively do a Riggs and Murtaugh must have been here. Like, <laughs> like this is such a fucking common thing that the bomb squad, who is only called to deal with bombs, shows up, sees that the bomb has gone off, meaning that between two and three, there have been multiple situations where Riggs and Murtaugh have detonated a bomb mm-hmm. that, that undercut well, the job of the bomb squad, so much so that when the bomb squad shows up, they're like... It's exactly as when The Rock looks out his hospital window and sees L.A. on fire and just goes, Toretto, because he knows. He knows that's yeah. how this works. Yeah. This is exactly that. They, I, they see them, they're like, God damn it, Riggs and Murtaugh are here. Why do we even have jobs? I, uh, I was wondering, too, because also when you see this bomb squad, because you and I are more used to, and most moviegoers now, you're used to the modern bomb squad, which they actually have kind of in Lethal Weapon 2 when Danny Glover is on, sitting on the toilet bomb, yeah. where they the guys show it. up. Yeah, but they spray, but also like the guys have the whole gear on, they have blast protector, all this stuff. Like these guys show up and they're just guys in a hat that says bomb squad. Yeah. They're just driving like a truck. Well, it's because um, they know. They're like, listen, Riggs and Marta radioed in. We're going to get there with nothing to do. I'm not so, putting all that shit on. But here's the other thing too, right? So the car, the bomb's in a car. It's covered in a blanket. First, no one ever fucking knows that. They're like, the security guard would know something. Like, no, he wouldn't have. He would not have given a shit. He would have not wanted to file the answer report number one. This whole deal is, is, is awful for him. But the, the second thing, why not push the car out of the fucking garage? Yeah. Or drive it out of the garage. Or whatever it is you're going to do. Like, I was more surprised they didn't try to like drive it out and explode in midair. Or yeah, do yeah, some yeah. crazy shit like that. Instead, they were just like, no, we're going to lean into the fact that at this point, that even though these are our heroes, these are hapless fuck-ups. These guys, again, we're getting more and more into the Three Stooges territory of we're getting further and further from these guys being good at breaking the rules and getting yeah. the job done. Now they're getting just more into entertaining to watch doing anything. They're just morons. Because yeah. um, even that, like, we're, we could do a whole podcast just on this opening scene. But even in that moment when, when Murtaugh just goes in with him to defuse the bomb, it's like, I don't care how strong your bond as partners are. Your bond with your wife and three kids, that should predicate whether you go running in to defuse a bomb. And then well, well, even when they're defusing the bomb, Riggs is sitting there like, 
we're supposed to go, oh, he knows so much about bombs that he's fucking he's the with lead Murtaugh. Because but at the, the same time, weapon. what doesn't. I know about Riggs is that, no, he doesn't know shit about bombs. No. He just really doesn't care at all about it. Like, he's complete he, anarchy. Listen, no, no, no. He's walking through life with the confidence of a white man who has a <laughs> podcast. Okay? That's why we feel that he is smart. Wait, then why the fuck am I so neurotic all the time? I don't know. I, I did this know. for that reason, and it's not paying off. <laughs> You don't have the confidence of a white man with a podcast. Why is the world not designed for me? Have you have you thought about maybe starting three more podcasts? Oh, wait, I, 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 I have two. Out, I figured out. Okay, but your third podcast, blame everything on Brie Larson. And then you're there, dude. Just put it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, but her boobs are so big. Okay, so the, the big thing, though, with the, the, the opening explosion, it is all a setup to get Riggs and Murtaugh on the street. Oh, yeah. They're busted which, down to Beat Cop. Yeah, Beat Cop, which, again, makes no sense. This yeah. is the early 90s in L.A. Um, this is uh, – there are no Beat Cops. L.A. is unwalkable, except for maybe, like, three areas. And cops there are in vehicles. There's absolutely no way that they would – their job – they literally put them in uniforms. Also, when they go back to uniforms, Mur- uh, Riggs is still allowed to keep his ponytail. He just tucks it up in the oh, cap. Yeah. And Which again, course, not Murtaugh regulation. Now, Murtaugh now is wearing a girdle because a girdle. according to him, he hasn't worn this suit in 20 years yep. and uh, it must have shrunk in the dryer. But there is this weird undercurrent that starts to happen in this movie that uh, exists all through four of gay panic. There's, yes. a, there's a scene where uh, Riggs and Murtaugh are kind of caught in a charged embrace while uh, Leo is trying to sell Murtaugh's house. And it's yes. played into this gay panic thing. Yes. Even here, the whole idea when he's like, Murtaugh, you're wearing a girdle. Does uh, your wife know about this? And he's like, it's a girl yeah. for a guy. And it's like, yeah. that is that that ties into this weird early so, 90s gay panic that's played for humor. But in hindsight, you're just like, oh, God, another gross thing. So there, the moment um, for me, Riggs and Murtaugh, I mean, they've already been bad this entire, in ways one and two. The moment they actually turn to the villains of this, oh, of is everything. Is when they uh, torture uh, a jaywalker with a gun? Yeah, yeah they put a gun to his head. They, it is the moment of, um, do you know in, um, uh, what's the movie? Fight Club. When they drag like the guy. I you had to figure out what that was. I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> remember remember they, go to the, they go to the 7-Eleven and they drag the, the, tel- the cashier outside. And they put yeah, a and gun they take his head. ID and What stuff, did you yeah. want to be when you were growing up? And all of a sudden he says a veterinarian. He goes, go be that. He's like, now the guy's going to have a whole new look on life. And it's, like, it's a bunch of bullshit, malarkey, harsh shit, gobbledygook. Yeah. To make, but to feel good when, you know, that age. What they do is not that. What they do is just, I don't like being in uniform. Who's yeah. this guy? Fuck you. Yeah. I can be a cop. Look, my, I'm better my than power you, was checked, so now I must assert it. Yes, which is like this weird, again, we start to get in this weird, there's a almost psychological need of this movie to glancingly touch about the abuse of police powers mm. in America. Get real close to almost, almost having almost. a thought. And then being wrong about it. Almost having that, and then just be completely fucking wrong. But the whole reason all this happens and that whole thing is to be a comedy moment so they can witness the uh, the armored car robbery. Which, mind you, they walk out the front door of the police station in their uniforms. They have yes. the girdle conversation. Yep. That's interrupted by the jaywalker. And yep. then walking away from the jaywalker, they witness the armored car robbery. Yes. So within five minutes of being yes. knocked down to beat cop, they are now once again in a violent high-speed chase, which between getting knocked down and brought into a lethal weapon movie, they still find time to to a cab. 
So, so let me tell you something here. I actually, um, that's a, that's a note that I made was rigs. Uh, ACAB includes rigs and Murtaugh, which it should. <laughs> so, um, I mentioned earlier, I work at a bank, but I've also worked security. Um, everything that happens in the moment of them witnessing uh, this armored car robbery, which if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know why you're listening to this, but in the armored car movie, yeah. is, is a fake armored car pulls up and two fake guards collect the bank money. Yes. Um, that isn't how this works. <laughs> I just yeah. want to be clear. <laughs> that isn't how this works at all. They, um, but they're trying to time it in a way. So I guess so that they'd show up around the same time as the armored car usually does. Again, it's not how that works. Armored cars don't have a set delivery time. Do you want to know why they don't have a fucking set delivery time? Hmm. So they can't be robbed as they're walking from the bank door to the, they have a, they have a day. That's it. Yeah. It's sometime during that fucking day. And you don't know when it'll be. They, they travel a route. Second thing. The whole thing of the other armored car pulls up, the armored car of the driver of the other vehicle goes to pull his gun to kill the fake armored car drivers, right? Mm. Again, not how that worked. You know what my assumption would be if I was the armored car driver? I'd pull up and be like, oh, hey, man, did they screw up our schedules again? Yeah. Like, you just see a guy... Yeah, he just says they like, no, 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 there's nothing right about this at all. Ah!" Yeah, Ah, pulls a gun. And then, but second thing. Which, to be fair though, in the Los Angeles that is now under the cruel thumb of Riggs and Murtaugh's antics, I would imagine that law enforcement by proxy has absorbed this idea of- Of shoot first, ask Something is ever so slightly afoot. Yeah. I'd better put bullets in it. The Swiss army knife that I have is also called a gun. Um, The- so, so, but, but here's the thing, insurance-wise and, and job-wise, for the, the armored car driver, the actual armored car driver, until the funds are in, physically inside the armored car, that is not his issue. Yeah. That is not, his job isn't on the line, nothing. He could pull up, see all that, say something is off. He also has an armored car, probably, with other banks and other institutions' funds in it. So yeah, okay, this one bank is being robbed of somewhere between twenty and a hundred thousand dollars, right? That's typically yeah, what his jo- is, his allegiance is to the truck itself. His, his to the truck itself and to his partner. So when he sees these people, jumps out of the, the armored truck, gets shot by the robbers, and then Riggs and Murtaugh run over, and the lady driver goes, get in. I wrote the following note. There is no coworker or job that I would list risk my <laughs> life for. And the way this armored car lady just fucking went with it. Seemingly to get revenge for a shot partner. Okay, okay. Now she's singing gospel hymns, you know, like a stereotype. Up, oh, it's a fuck thing. Okay. I like, I like how midway through that, you just became Leo Getz. Leo Getz, yeah, no, I had to. Because <laughs> I was like, I started to write this note and it just turned everyone in it. Everyone in it becomes stereotypes and cartoon characters. Because like you said early on, the flanderization. Yeah, They get further and further and further from what the original intent was and become more and more a thing that they can tack other products onto. Batman, you know, Batman's parents getting murdered is, is, is a big part for him, but we're really putting the, pushing the Batmaster card right now. Yeah. We want to make sure OnStar and Batmobiles is going to get sold. How do we hammer these things in that wouldn't necessarily fit within the universe? And this whole scene, the whole thing, when this happened, 
Riggs and Murtaugh, as police officers, left a man to die on the sidewalk. Yes. They entered into a car chase. They've already been in trouble for blowing up. The insurance of the city is starting to become liable, which we do find out in the fourth movie is a very good moment. Um, But all of this starts to build more and more and more and become less and less, like not, you know, fuck, I need, need to be realistic but at least be in the same universe that I'm in. <laughs> I do love that of all of the crazy heightened things that happen over the course of four movies, armored car procedure is what really got your goat. Dude, it just, <laughs> because it, what that did is that set up for me that the rest of the movie, because again, first movie's written by Shane Black, it's, it's done very well. The second movie, the base was lit, written by Shane Black and then other people came in and docked yep. it and punched it up a little bit and made it more into the comedy. We've gone this, fully into lethal weapon movie, action figure place at the yes, movie. Yeah. Yes, this third movie is just guys just coming in here. I'm like, okay, uh, all right, let's see. We got this. All right, what do we need to add this time? Who, what, what group didn't like the movie that much? Women? We're gonna add a woman. Yeah. Get me uh, Renee Russo. All right. Well, cool. they're hitting all the quadrants. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They look right. People really like people like Joe Pesci. Uh, we need to bring him back. Well, it doesn't make sense to be an accountant. I don't know. Fucking, he'll have some other job. He just always has to have a job. I have. You know? As a note here, where is it? I, I think I might have even texted it to you, which was just, in what world, in what world would Murtaugh's family ever, ever hire Leo as their realtor? Um, I guess in this actually, world. Yeah, no, it's, it's 100%. Well, honestly, I feel like every single person, Riggs and Murtaugh, besides Murtaugh's family, right? Every other person that they touch in the real world are either other cops or low-level criminals. Yeah. Like, that's the only people they're involved with. You're either a cop, Murtaugh's family, or a low-level criminal. Yeah. Like, that, because those are the only relationship they have. So, having, Yeah, the whole world exists just to enable their answers. And, and, and part of me, when watching this one, part of me wonders if Murtaugh says, I'm going to retire, and when we retire, I'm going to sell the house. If Leo doesn't hear that and then becomes a real estate agent. Because uh, my yeah, note yeah. is, my note is, okay, a criminal accountant becoming a real estate agent is probably the only thing in this movie that is realistic. And you know um, what? I, I'd be willing to bet now that I think about it, that if this were real people, um, instead of them hiring Leo, he probably was just like, I can sell your house. I can do it. And they're like, don't do it, Leo. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Just a little bit yeah. of a thing. Well, like, I don't no, think- don't, I don't, don't, think don't, don't do it. Don't do it. He's it like, doesn't, I've already got a listing. It doesn't seem like he, because he doesn't shows up with like, oh, I'm with Keller Williams. You know, oh, yeah. I'm with Remax. He never holds up a, a reputable- uh, real yeah, he might not even office. be licensed. Yeah, he might not even be licensed. Like, there's so many different other layers of this thing. Or he might just have life because there's people out there who can you can get a real. It's very easy to get a real estate. A oh real yeah, license. It's very easy. You just have to pass like a very small quiz, and then you pay a fee every year to be able to access the listings. That's it. Yeah, like there isn't much to it. That's why Keller Williams is a fucking scam. Um, I could go on and on that. If you want to hear more about that, go to listen to them boys pod. I will probably talk about it soon. Um, but Keller Williams and all those shit, it's a scam. So I actually have a note in here because you mentioned earlier the gay panic. Um, so Leo is going through and describing how this house is itself, this loan house has, is a war zone. Over the last eight years. Yeah, he can't more, help but to tell the stories about There's been more murders, um, assassination attempts, 
bombs because he and he's going through it, and which is a actually, man got brained with a nail gun over in the new kitchen yeah um the front yo you like the bay windows a guy drove through those and then yeah. was beaten and shot to death in the front lawn oh the bathroom yeah it was recently redone because a bomb toilet yeah uh blew up oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and they start talking about the permits for over the garage it becomes this whole fucking thing however the buyers because i don't know if this is like the modern i just bought a house back in september of of last year it was very difficult. And there were a lot of concessions you're willing to make. For a house like that in LA, first thing, that is a million, even when this movie was shot, that is a multi-million dollar house. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is a giant, like it has like okay, four okay. bedrooms. It's, it's a very expensive house. It's insane. The fact they even want to sell it is stupid. Like that's the other thing that didn't make sense to me. He's like, I'm going to retire and we're going to sell the house and we're going to move. They never say where they're going to move to. They don't have a plan. They don't have another house lined up. They're just going to sell this house. Family. Yeah, just family. Um, uh, but there, I, I didn't look there, it up. Is, that, that, there is that, that gay panic moment though, where he's after yeah. he's going through the house. They, they open, open the, the door, door and they're and, hugging and, for some. Yeah, well, no, what they're what they're doing is is Murtaugh's going to run out and he's going to kill Leo. Oh yeah, he's enraged that Leo back. is. He's enraged that Leo is actually following procedure. Yeah, and disclosing the issues yes. that happened with the house. So he he's like, to. I'm yeah. going to fucking kill him because he's following the rules. And Riggs is like trying to hold him back, not because he shouldn't kill Leo. But because he's like, listen, honestly, if they realize that a black person owns this house, they're not going <laughs> to buy it. Because I don't know if you know this, there's been recently a few things about appraisers for home values going through homes in certain markets. Oh, yeah. Uh, in they the United appraise States, them differently. And, and they appraise them lower. And mm-hmm. they say the house is worth less because the black family is currently living there. They've then gone through, removed all the photos of the home. And the home, all the family photos, and replace them with just stock white couples. Oh yeah, and the homes have been worth fifty to hundred thousand dollars more. So again, this that's that's where Riggs Riggs's racist mind is coming from. Is yeah, I we don't want them to know. Like we don't want them to know that you are a black family living here. So when they open the door and there's a twinkle sound effect, kind of like a little yep. fey, yeah. droopy wrist sound Hee-hee. effect, and it's just like hmm. Oh yeah, this is an interracial gay couple who is living in a drug dealing war zone. Yep. Maybe you don't want to bring your Labrador here. Like it's just such a weird fucking thing. Also, I had to play on all of that ridiculous paranoia. Yeah. But I did look up the house. That is actually a house on the Warner Brothers um, lot. It is not a real because I was like, there are houses like that in oh. LA in certain strips. I was like, maybe this is a real house that they just kept reusing. Kevin, Kevin Lau and I, uh, when I went out to LA, did the Warner Brothers studio tour. I have seen yes. this house. Yes. And it is next to, and you can actually see it, I believe, uh, multiple times in the Lethal Weapon franchise. The cul-de-sac on the street is actually where the fountain from the Friends intros is. Oh, nice. It's like almost, so there's a part where like they zoom out some, you see this fountain in the middle of this weird cul-de-sac that's just supposed to be the end of this LA street, but that is actually the Friends fountain where they dance and everything at the beginning of the intro. That same block as we learned on the tour, um, those houses, I mean, those houses can be seen in a lot of different things, but they are part of the burbs. They are part of Desperate Housewives. And one of the houses, despite being a, an exterior that they shoot, is actually just writing offices on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a pretty fascinating tour, not going to lie. Yeah. I want to um, call out, uh, I have uh, two notes here of, uh, of times when, uh, when um, uh, uh, Riggs does a one-liner and then makes it a one-and-a-half-liner and fucks it up. Okay. Uh, during that opening chase, which uh, we should call out that uh, 
Murtaugh was doing this chase with a driver who is the zaniest uh, black lady ever. Another like oh, yeah. wonderful early 90s stereotype. Oh yeah. He's just horny. Like I said, who's all brothers and sisters. Singing hymns, yeah. singing hymns, gospel hymns at him, yep, yep. grabbing him by the thigh, asking if he's really married. And mind you, she gives a great performance. It's a oh, grand it's comic performance, she, but it's also you watch it, you go, oh, this is regrettable. Yeah, yeah. This, this um, watching that performance uh, felt like uh, never mind. I'm not going to go. Well, it, so- it was it was rough. It was very very rough of what was happening with there. Also, in during that that run, I don't know if you noticed, they're in a bulletproof truck. Riggs buckles himself in, slams on the brakes, so the guy goes flying out the window of the bulletproof yes. truck. And I'm like, is that even? Are the windows not even fucking bulletproof on your truck? Like, what is? Bulletproof from the outside. Well, so that guy is who I want to talk about because he cuffs that guy to the front grill and he hits him with this one-liner and he says, you have the right to remain unconscious and knocks him unconscious. And then like, okay, awesome. Killer one-liner. And then via ADR, you hear Riggs add, anything you say ain't going to be much. You blew it, dude. You had the one-liner and you went went too far. And a little bit of, he also says, I think to the same guy, um and this is just a good one-liner he says on a normal day i'd hit you and then he goes that's eh, a normal day and he hits him that's beautifully done beautifully that's done yeah very, very i bet very you that's well i bet you that's i bet you those are carrie fisher lines it could um, be yeah that seems uh and that's my other thing so can we talk fisher. about so so one thing we didn't touch on we talked like barely on the um lethal weapon one two we mentioned uh, how much uh they lean into the fact that Murtaugh wants to fuck his own daughter and Riggs wants to fuck her too um they and do everyone the whole condom thing everyone wants to fuck her yeah yeah and leo mentions that watching her uh in the, in the condom commercial makes him want to go buy a bunch of rubbers yeah i do love that stuff. they that they refer to it as rubbers yes. because rubbers is a slang term that isn't as crass as something like dong bag but yeah. also like what's weird in america though because we're such weirdos about sex is in the early 90s you couldn't say condom because that's too frank and explicit prophylactic but you, but you couldn't say but that doesn't that's not poetic enough but you can't yeah. go so far into to slang and be like yeah we got jimmy hats so you say something like a rubber which is innocent but ultimately yeah. sounds much sleazier because you're trying to avoid yeah. natural speech but but it, now we're here but here in 20 right? but here in 2022 you can have a podcast called like come gutter and it's yeah. fine um, but that, that's what i mean is like yeah. back it's like we might as well have just let rubbers. them say condoms because they rubbers. say rubbers rubbers and it's like it's yeah. so because even leo is just like, saying oh, yeah, fuck. I saw it in the rubber commercial meanwhile they're saying fuck and they're showing tits everywhere anyway well, the, um meanwhile Riggs also has a line where uh he invites lorna uh to speak in private and he asks her to quote step into my orifice yes um, that's all we're getting we're getting to this so there's a moment where they're driving around also, I believe it's it's made quite clear that Riggs um, just throws bags over uh, parking meters. He refuses to pay parking meters on his personal vehicle. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he has not been. He's he believes he has diplomatic immunity when it comes to parking tickets himself. Okay. Uh, call back to two. Um, anyway, he looks across and he sees uh, Murtaugh's daughter uh, being accosted by a man. And oh. he runs into the scene, he tackles him, he beats the shit out of this guy, is then pulled off because, again, she's an actress, and this is a man shooting a scene. The director pops in, is like, cut, what the hell's going on? The director demands that Mel Gibson leave his set, and then realizes that this is all because of this actress, and these are family and friends and stuff like that, and he just fires her on the spot. 
So what does Mel Gibson do? Mel Gibson beats the shit out of the director. And I have a note here just said Mel Gibson hits the director because he looks Jewish. And because he does, he is the most needle dicked knockoff Spielberg you've ever seen. He's got bad hair, like bad curly hair, a pointy little face. And he's like, no, you're fired. And he's like, what? And he just like, I don't think he, it, it feels like he pistol whips a dude, but he does, he does beat, he beats the shit out of the man who then apologizes to, was it Rhea? Rina? Uh, yeah, Rianne. Yeah, Rianne. He apologizes to Rianne, rehires her, and then everyone claps. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Who wrote, like, was this, was this written by a Fox News contributor? Like, this, this reads like the comment section under an old Donald Trump post. You're, sir, I stood up and said, I still believe in yeah. America. And the communist and professor everybody said, clapped. No. And everybody clapped. Yep. It's like, and it's that man director. was Albert Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that moment I was like, what the apps again, leading more into, cause then there's a whole discussion too about parking tickets. He says this whole line somewhere in here about, um, about putting, you know, he, he says like, Oh, grab the parking ticket. And he grabs it off the thing. Cause he gets one anyway. And he goes, well, don't put it in the glove box. And Murtaugh says, I'm proud of you. You're finally taking care of this. He goes, yeah. Cause the glove box is full of parking tickets. Yeah. Like, they're just, again, these guys don't believe in any rule or regulation or procedure should ever touch rigs. It should not. He just is allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, yeah, because he knows best. Yeah. He wouldn't be a um, cop if he didn't know best. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that, that was the most egregious, so this movie has one of the more hardcore plot developments in that there are guns on the street and this one kid who is friends with Murtaugh's son is gang affiliated, whereas yes. his son is not. And so during one of many shootouts that the Lethal Weapon guys have in a given day, um, this particular kid is shot to death by Murtaugh and it fucks Murtaugh up, but... In the scene that it happened, so I have a note, and my note is, it's all right. It was a clean shoot. And then I wrote in all caps, wow. Yes. Because what happens here is Murtaugh shoots this kid in the middle of a shootout and feels absolutely maddened and saddened by the fact that this violence is close you. to his family and he killed his son's friend. So Riggs tries to console him saying, no, 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 it fit procedure. So question one, in what world does has procedure ever mattered to these people? And two, the fact that Riggs is just like, oh, don't worry about it. Your emotions that you're feeling are irrelevant because guess what? It was legal. That was a clean shoot. And nowadays when cops are literally executing people in the streets, it's like, that stings. So that you want, stings. Do you want to know what really stings about this? This movie was released in 1992, two weeks after the LA riots. Yeah, I figured it was around that. I, I had, I was like, I was like, what is the timing on this? Two weeks after the LA riots, uh, this movie comes out. And 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 one thing you're actually glossing over here about the um, the shootout, the shootout between Murtaugh, the gang members, and all this stuff happens because Riggs was bored. Yeah. Yep. So they go, they stop at a, they stop at like a, a, a side of the road trailer to buy some burgers. 
Murtaugh is trying to show off to Riggs that he can cook a burger really good. Which also, this scene uh, subtly functions as a way of tying Murtaugh back to the streets. Yes. Because he's a guy who knows this local spot where this local Black-owned burger spot where they yes. actually make the best stuff. You yeah, know, and like and they he, try to he's do been that going there, there, yeah. And he's been going there for so long to let him on the griddle. But we've never seen it. We've never seen, never heard of this place before. It's literally in a dusty construction site. Yeah. Riggs looks over his shoulder. He sees a nice car pull up to talk to five black youths and goes, well, that's clearly a drug deal. He sees yeah. him drive around the corner next to some porta potties in a shack. Yeah. And so he goes and follows it, watches it. Again, no one is being disturbed by this. The drug dealers haven't done anything except literally hand drugs to this guy in the car. Yeah, he just and here's what operated runs, entirely on a stereotype. Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. How does Riggs react to this? Does he maybe write down the license plate number and say, hey, I've witnessed this. We can follow the guy buying the drugs. Does he watch them and try to figure out, hey, maybe where's where's their drop area? Which one's holding the cash? Any of that stuff? No, Riggs is bored. So yeah, he, he just wants to know how many bullets it takes to kill a drug dealer. Yeah, he leans on a porta potty, holds up his badge and whistles. Yeah. So And then everyone sees him. And again, as we learned in the first movie, with the Christmas tree farm scene where he buys, where he's fake buying all the cocaine and he just is like, oh, cool. I get to kill drug dealers. Yeah. And so somewhere in that, Riggs gets knocked out. Murtaugh just starts hearing shooting and violence. He comes running around the corner, not knowing again, Riggs has caused all of this and his partner is down. So there's now a, a full shootout happening. He fires like three shots. He does not crack his neck. He fires like a couple shots. Everyone else is scattered. And then the, the son's friend, Daryl, comes falling out. And he sees this Daryl. And he screams, Daryl. Oh, my God, this is Daryl. He starts losing his shit. Yeah, yeah. The, the Which I got to say, wondering... I have a note here that points out that at the end of the day, one of the biggest takeaways from this whole series is that Danny Glover, no matter what the material, he's a really tremendous actor. He's a great actor. Like, he's this a, he's an amazing actor. is this really scene regrettable is material. This but scene he, is shit. He's good in it. Yeah. He elevates it. And it, this is like a very... Uh, it's just a very regrettable scene with the so, hindsight so, being 2020. Not even the hindsight. As they're doing it, someone should have just been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, with but, its proximity to the riots. Dude, uh, the, I mean, yeah. with just everything that was going on at the time. Like, I understand. Again, this is what we said early on. They are trying to deal with some pretty heavy topics, but instead, but they don't know how to do it. And it's one of those situations where it's like, do not handle this topic. You don't know what you're doing. And the part that really gets me is there's actually a weird cut in there with like, with Riggs getting hit on the back of the head, Mel Gibson getting hit, hit on the back of the head with a two by four, right? And falling down. Yeah. And they show a kid run away in a white t-shirt. And part of me wonders if that's actually supposed to be in an early edit, if that was Murtaugh's son. Oh, yeah. Because they have the moment early on where it's pretty clear when they first introduced Daryl briefly, yeah. after the whole real estate issue and everything, that Daryl and the kid are friends. Daryl and Murtaugh's son are friends. And he says, Word. yeah, he said, well, how, how come I haven't seen him around? He goes, because he dropped out of school. And he's like, oh, but like Daryl and him were talking about hanging out and like Daryl's trying to get him into the gang. So like it would make sense following 90s gang culture touch moments where it's always one of those ones of the good kid comes to hang out with the gang on the night everything goes wrong. You know what I mean? Like this is the night the deal went wrong or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
And now you're going to get, you know, you hung out with them for 15 minutes and you smoked a joint that had crack in it. Now your heart exploded. That yeah. type of mentality <laughs> was big. No, in the early nineties, yeah. that was a big push. That was the just thing. Like, like, Hey, listen, there was never the, the more realistic one of, you know, you could probably be in a gang for months and nothing bad will happen. And then one day something bad will happen. With said, it was the much more unrealistic push of you could be there. If you could go to a gang party in four minutes, you could be stabbed to death and raped. And it's like, or not, I mean, like that could happen, but Here's that is, thing, it's, but by, by, by claiming it's going to happen immediately, it makes it less scary. It's much like a lot of anti-marijuana stuff. Oh if yeah. You smoke yeah. weed, you're going to fail school. Well, I smoked weed and I still, I got bees. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, it's like, you, you're making a lie out of it. So the, what I think it was probably, if that is what, it, this very well could be true that, uh, that uh, Murtaugh's son was cut out of that scene. I will say that that's a smart cut, if you ask me, because one thing that I think this series couldn't survive is the suggestion that Murtaugh's family is fucked up. One of the linchpins of this entire thing is the fact that Murtaugh and his family are good people. They're good people, they're tight, and he's raising them right. And even though he has dated notions about sexuality and they have a little bit of like homegrown homophobia, one of the things is like his kids love him, his kids respect him, and he both loves and respects his kids. And if they had that sort of tie-in, whereas I think there's a compelling movie to be made, I think that becomes such a divorce from formula that what we're going for here, this just escalation of a same formula would be lost and we wouldn't get four which i kind of love despite yeah. it being ridiculous so so one thing i have written out about this pretty quickly after that moment i wrote fuck i just don't care about this movie at all is after this Riggs and renee russo uh, mel gibson and renee russo go into a building right that has a dog in it and and renee russo's character is going to shoot the dog because it's a big doberman and oh yeah and and, and, and and Riggs is like, no, you can't shoot the dog. I love dogs. And he's pulling, he keeps pulling dog biscuits out of his pocket because he's eating dog biscuits. He's trying to quit smoke. And do you know where he got that idea? Where? He was about to light up a cigarette in uh, Murtaugh's house. And Murtaugh's like, yes. Riggs, don't do that. No, and he just and he grabs, him, yeah. he grabs the dog biscuits just because they're the closest thing to his hand. And yes. he's like, here, try these. And so, so Riggs, eating because dog he biscuits. is a dog, yeah. just kind of, you know, that's but, what Riggs is. He just chases impulse. He is, he is, he is a, he is a, he is a dog with a gun. A dog, yeah. Um, um, but I want to point out though, this scene of I can't shoot the dog happens right after we should murder these black kids. Like they're, it is, they're almost back to back. The reason why he's with Rene Russo at that moment is because he can't find Murtaugh because Murtaugh's drunk on his boat because he got, he can't get over the fact that he just killed his son's yeah, best friend. like, don't kill this dog. We can train this dog to eventually yeah, we can kill black kids dog. for us. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make, like, it is so <laughs> fucking insane. So, um, uh, also, also, the two of them hanging out together does cause them to fall in love. And I've pinpointed the line where, where they're about to fall in love. Riggs points out that, uh, I think it's Riggs, either Riggs or Lorna says this, but one of them says that they were close and the response is close, close as a lingerie shop without a front window. I don't know I what no that idea, means. Yeah. I, I legit stopped at that moment. She stared at the screen. They're in love. Minute. And yeah. then they then they compare injuries of yes, Jaws style, jaw style. Yes. And that's the sexiest thing two people which, can do. Which, by the which, way, once again, buns. Yes. So um the, the, the this whole moment with this, 
right before that, I don't know if you notice, the moment Riggs actually falls in love with her is he walks up Zoolander style to a computer, which is clear he's never seen one before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he does something. I think he pokes the mouse or somehow he, the computer's in standby mode and he knocks it and the, the monitor turns on and three, the Three Stooges, the video game is on this Apple IIe computer. And he just looks over and goes, the fellas? Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> and she walks over. She's like, I use that for business. Well, and and it's like something too. He's like, what is this? And she's like, that's the most powerful crime fighting tool since guns. And one day it's going to change the world. Yeah. And he's like, you'll never beat guns. Cause that's how yeah. we felt. And then those. she's like, oh yeah, well, can you, can your gun shoot NFTs? Okay. Um, <laughs> also, she says something. She says, oh, that's semantics rigs. And his response yeah. is semantics. I'm always up for some antics. So, and at that point, I put a gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger. And I'm fresh out of surgery because that's fucking garbage. But yeah. also maybe some of the finest, finest scripting in the history of time. The, um, we are glossing with the fact that the bad guy in this is a murder cop um, who is a former cop who, ne- who just no-showed one day. Um, so he's oh, yeah. still technically a cop. It's this weird, like, lieutenant guy. Well, and, and they said they said uh, he was out on a stakeout with his with his partner, went out for coffee, and never came back. Yeah, and then someone is, responds. They said, eh, "It looks like he had too many lattes." Yeah, which I don't know what that means. I think well, there was a was weird because he was late. Uh, okay, okay. I was latte say, late. They look the same. I thought it was part of that early like. Yeah, it's also uh, hating on hating on hating on Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was. I feel not like even Starbucks. Just just coffee places. People were into cappuccino. People were into non-American black yeah. coffee. We're scum, and this is what this. But the, that's the audience that this market has is leaning heavy oh, yeah. and heavier into. It's just that's my guys dad. who hate things that are different and new. Yes, my dad. Um, which is why every time the therapist is like begging Riggs to please fucking talk. Oh to yeah, her. which BT dubs. Like, she is an element of drama in the first one. She's supposed yeah. to be there to tell the audience that this guy's unstable, yes. and now she is just another mark upon She's which slowly... Riggs can do goofy shit. Yeah, and she is slowly, much like Murtaugh in the first movie, she is slowly being driven insane by this man yeah. who, again, she could, under her authority, bust out of the police force. Yeah. And if she was a good therapist, would have forced out of the police force under medical disability. Um, with the, um, this, this killer that we first meet the guy, he walks into the police station, flashes a badge, signs a piece of paper, walks in and shoots the armored car robber in the head, uh, and then leaves. Um, and they're like, we don't know who it is. It's like, he signed a fucking piece of paper. Yeah. And, like, and then they make this big deal about how there's secret cameras in the room. Well, that's part of, because Lorna is part yeah, of, uh, of- Internal uh, affairs. Inter- yeah, she's a- And she's like, yeah, there's, yeah. Secret, yeah, there's secret, secret cameras. And they get all pissed about it. But well, it's like- Because she not also only represents are... the, f- the future that we're fighting against with, yeah. like guns will always be better than computers. Well, yeah. evidently not. Yeah, uh, yeah surveillance will, will be the future. Yeah, yeah the future is surveillance and computers. And it's look at us and that's how we're going to do things. And, she, and But they're like, no, but old fashioned way is also to kill people. Um, and here we are 30 years later and they're kind of right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we don't, don't move that far from it. But the, um, uh, he, he signs in. He, he walks past cops who know him. Yeah. He is on, if he's not on camera, like they he make this video, like he knows where the cameras are, but it's like, he wouldn't know where all of them are. Like at some point in here, he's clearly leaving a trail. Also police officers, I don't know if you know this. Like I, I think they, they said hi to him. Yeah. But also they literally said hi, Sergeant or hi, Lieutenant. Yeah. Like 
The other thing though, too, is police officers are fingerprinted and their prints are held at the FBI and other state areas. You know how I knew that? Because when I was a security guard, I was fucking fingerprinted and had my fingerprints put on fire. You're on the grid, motherfucker. Yeah, so like, and I was very upset about it. I was like, I have to have my fingerprints on file here after the Patriot Act? And they were like, absolutely. Um, The only... So now we'll catch back up to the-, Wait, the uh, I have a couple notes that I want to hear. There's another yeah. line that I wrote down, and this is designed to appeal to people that were our parents' age around this time. Uh, when Lorna shows a aptitude towards doing karate, uh, so much so that uh, they can just leave her in a fight and just be entertained by watching her fight five guys confidently because she's that good. Yeah. Uh, Riggs asks her, uh, where'd you learn to fight like that? And her response is- Catholic school. Yep. I don't know what that joke means except to signal to my dad, like, remember when you got hit with a ruler by a nun because you're of the generation that went to Catholic doesn't, school? Doesn't she also Hi. like she also like implies that she has like three brothers and like or something like yeah. that, or like her dad wanted a son. It's all this like tomboy. Yeah, she shit just they, says they I have three into. brothers and they used yeah. to it's like they used a, to beat me you, up. Yeah, if you so I had to beat fight, I had to learn how to fight. To yeah. yeah. Um the closest this scene does come to any self-awareness is actually Murtaugh's scene on the boat um, where Murtaugh has the breakdown from killing the kid. Yeah. Um, Wait, they, I want to say, I have a note about the fuck scene. Do you remember what happens when they start fucking? No. It cuts to the dog that they just rescued and the dog yeah. sees them fucking. Oh, and, and he then, covers his face? No, exasperated, he rolls onto his back and does a... Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is, which is fucking... That's a new level of this is a crazy world that this takes place. Yeah. Like, well, again, it was already getting... crazy, but now we're, we're almost at princess singing to animated birds when yeah. there's a dog doing this. Like we're right the fuck on that edge. Um, Daryl, the child we talked about who was killed earlier is basically blamed for his own murder repeatedly. Yeah. Um, when Murtaugh finally goes home uh, and is trying, tries to have a conversation with his son about murdering his son's friend um his he, son's immediately cool he's like dad i get it yeah no he's like dad it was daryl's fault yeah like he just immediately uh gleams over that there's the whole scene too where they go because this is the part it makes no sense to me okay this why is do my they note. go why does murtaugh go to the fucking funeral i'm gonna read you my note okay i don't care how soothing boys to men is it was absolutely crazy for murtaugh to approach the family at that funeral yes yes I can and, understand and showing dad, up and being in the distance to pay your respects. If they show to him, speak to the parents is fucking cruel. Like literally, it's as deranged. They're walking away, it's deranged. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. But also, listen. Number one, he would be on after killing a kid. Yeah, doesn't matter what happened. Again, I know that they don't have death duty or whatever it is where you're put on fucking paid vacation. At you're, the very least, you're on watch. You shot You're on kid. watch. You shot a fucking kid. A Get minor. over there. Go stay over there. Like, stand over there. Fucking, but also, like, somebody would have, his wife would have been like, are you fucking insane? Like, if the wife went, oh, and yeah. the wife tried to talk, okay. I would also would have liked that because then we also would have had some more about the wife. But that whole scene where the, the, the mom, Daryl's mom, slaps Murtaugh in the face, and then she turns and cries, and goes, I'm assuming her husband, but yeah. not a male family mother. And the male family member looks Murtaugh in the eyes and says, get the man who put that gun in my, in his hand. Yeah. And I'm like, that isn't what? 
what the fuck are you talking about? Because yeah. the whole thing they're trying to push is that this, it's like none his of dad knows happened. that there's a supervillain out there. Yeah, none of this would have happened if armor-piercing bullets weren't scaring cops. Yeah, because they keep calling them cop killer bullets. They keep making this big deal. This is the oh. whole thing that they keep showing off. These if part two bullets. was accidentally an indictment of the drug war. Part three is definitely an indictment of the idea that like that that like the like cop unions protect their power you know like it's yeah. it's all yeah um yeah there was um, a, yeah like i can understand them at least making an appearance at the funeral if only so that his son can mourn the loss of his friend Murtaugh, yeah, the son going the, the, son son go- going, the mom honestly, going and honestly, Murtaugh, i would i would say it's okay if you stood in the distance or visited later but do not approach the family no i would all. say do not be near the family at all i would one. I would because go. you know what you know what the family has the family has a fucking lawsuit against the, the city of Los Angeles. But here's off. the other thing. So think about this: we've referenced Jaws once when uh, they compared wounds, just like in Jaws, when they compare wounds before the final third act with the shark. You know what I mean? That that famous scene. Mm-hmm. Also in Jaws is the scene where the cop approaches the mourning mother, whose son was eaten by Jaws. Mm-hmm. And she slaps him in the face and says, you should have closed the beaches. Yeah. So they're literally lifting from Jaws here, but doing it in a way that is infinitely less effective and much more insane because in Jaws, it's all kind of natural. Um, There's also another fun piece of gay panic when when Riggs reveals to Murtaugh that he's dating uh, Cole, Lorna Cole. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, I, I, I... took Cole to bed and he's like, Cole the traffic cop? And he's like, no, Lorna Cole. Cole the traffic cop's her brother or her dad or something. There's another moment. I didn't write it down, but there's a moment I remember right now because Leo Gatz, Joe Pesci, he's dyed his hair blonde in this one. It has an earring, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's this movie, yeah. Yeah, he's like there, a young There's a now, moment. Yeah. yeah, he's always trying to be like cool and hip and fashionable while like selling, because he wants to sell real estate to younger people. Yeah. And um, somebody, I don't remember exactly what it is, but somebody does something and Joe Pesci legit points to his earring and he goes, look what side the earring's on. Oh yeah, he says, uh, he says don't let the earring fool you. Yeah, but yeah. It's, 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 which for those who weren't around in the 90s- I remember this. A single earring was a big deal. A, well, a guy with a single earring because it was always an argument over which ear you had pierced meant you were gay. I always and heard it was the right ear meant you were gay. And yeah. the, the mnemonic to remember it is even more fucked up. It was yeah. right is wrong. That was how you remembered. And it's like, that's so fucked up. It, it made no sense. And it, it made, made no sense. sense to me. And I was honestly, like, it sounds like one of those things that was probably created entirely by the straight community. Well, no, it was a thing that was created entirely by seventh graders. Yeah, exactly. And then it just became free internet spread around the same way that weird S we all used to draw. Yeah, it like was, it's just an early meme that we don't, it's just an early homophobic yeah, memes meme. Memes now go through Reddit and 4chan. Yeah. Back in the day, memes went through notebook covers, desks, and yep. t-shirts that you can only buy at the Jersey Shore. That's how exactly. that's how memes got around. Yeah, what do you point? Don't let the earring fool I remember that. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? But it is slowly building towards that because again, the other thing too, as we're, as three, as four does, which we'll go into in a minute, the reason the gay panic is being added in more and more here is because they're running out. They know as the nineties are coming on, they're running out of less groups. They can be bigoted to. Oh yeah. And they're like, Holy shit. Gay rights is building up. We need to get as many of these gay jokes out now. 
Get them because out. Yeah. We might not be able to do them soon. Like that's kind of like how that building's going. And you can watch the same thing on different shows like TV, the TV show Scrubs. You can watch Scrub like gleefully run through the worst homophobic shit you've ever seen under the cover of, well, by talking about it, we're bringing awareness. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how they really play in uh, Murtaugh's homophobia is part of that mm-hmm. is, hey man, your homophobia while we're playing it for laughs. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, but it's like, but it's within like also the second, a last the guy, ditch effort to get the joke in. Yeah, yeah. But but also it's it's like, hey, everyone else, the kids, the mom, Renee Russo, they're all like Murtaugh, don't be homophobic. And Riggs is like, your homophobia is pretty funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like no, it's just weird. Just like tell yeah, it to me. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you know, between us, it's trying to take it less public and making it more private. Um, uh, I have a, a note here. The tire that they used to torture Tyrone was just very much not spinning. Remember when they held the car over him and ran the oh, wheel? Yeah. But it's yep. just not spinning. Uh, another quote of, of, I forget who says the first, oh, it, Lorna says to Murtaugh, PMS, it's murder. And Murtaugh responds, I know, I've been married 25 years. Oof. Which is just one of those like old pieces of old school sexism. And then yep. also... Another quote I wanted to highlight from Dolores, the truck driver who keeps coming back and trying to fuck Murtaugh. She refers to Murtaugh as, quote, the jam in my jelly roll. <laughs> I, did like, I can't fucking believe that. I like that she kept showing up with like flowers and all sorts of stuff. And like he's hiding behind things. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. And like they're trying to play the flip of, look, oh, look, it's, it's the sexually aggressive woman versus yeah. a sexually aggressive man and typically it should be the other way around absolutely not it but it was just done shitty it um, exists but, to make Murtaugh uncomfortable that's one yeah. of the jokes about this series is Murtaugh's so, uncomfortable and it's funny so during the chase into the uh la subway which i wrote down as uh the elon musk 1992 la hyperloop yes there's a moment i don't know if you caught it Riggs grabs a bike from an older bike cop and the oh, cop yeah. yells this is bullshit. And yeah. I laughed. Like it was the first time. It's the only moment. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? He's the only time <laughs> he just grows up. He flashes a badge at him. Yo. And the cop's just like, this is bullshit. As Riggs, he's driving away. Riggs emerging from the smoke on the motorcycle. That's some, that's A++. Yeah. That was some also, badass iconography. Also the weird, the weird subway truck. <laughs> like it can drive oh, on yeah, subway yeah. tracks and not. Um, I have a note here that just said, I would be so mad if I was in this traffic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like LA traffic's bad enough. Um, and then we get to the final, we get to the, to the highlight. So first thing, it, you know, yes, yes, the, um, yes, yes, the, the bad, the, the chief evil bad guy of this oh, yeah, who, whole movie. His is a, plan is a, at the beginning when he drowns a guy in concrete, they didn't like shoot him and bury him in concrete. It seems that they plan to just hold him under the concrete until it sets. The guy I think, that no, they no <laughs> I think what they were gonna do, they were gonna drown him in the concrete, like literally drown him because you can't drown somebody in that, that yeah, yeah. stuff by holding him. And then once he dies, letting it then, then push him in and then let it harden. It was, he, but, he's, he's, he's thrashing the whole time. I mean, he'll thrash until he stops thrashing. And as you know from action, the thing movies, was they were letting his head. Seconds. They were letting oh, his head come up. out a couple of times. Yeah. I was like, what are they doing here? They're just like pissing this guy well, off. Well, they're torturing him. Well, they're no, they're torturing him to show the other guys, hey, because everyone working, because that was one thing they made clear. Everyone working on the site was an ex-con. Mm-hmm. that that cop had arrested so he would basically what he was doing is he was arresting guys and they'd be like all right i'll get you a reduced sentence if you come swing a hammer for me 
Yeah. And then yeah, he got yeah. pissed off that these guys then went and did, you know, criminal shit. Yeah. Um, because, you know, do. yeah. Um, uh, but I also but, want but to this, point out, too but, but that, the crooked uh, cop, the crooked cop to uh, real estate, de- evil real estate developer pipeline. Um, it's the thing we really do need to deal with in America. And I think that <laughs> um, I really wish that they had, you know, maybe done been a little bit more delicate about how you can go from crooked cop to building McMansions in a desert. Um, I think they, they should have been clearer about that. Fair enough. The um, Leo fresh out of the hospital because he got uh, lightly injured on the uh, hockey rink. He gets shot oh, yeah. in the scene because also in the 90s, oh, we put a lot of action on the hockey and rink. Everyone's wearing mom jeans. Everyone's wearing mom jeans, but Leo gets shot. And then in the hospital, just as a goof, Riggs writes in his paperwork that he needs all kinds of exams on his asshole. Yes, and, so, and they do it. And they, and they do, do it. it. They just do it, no questions asked. But yeah. the rant that Leo has when he first emerges from the hospital is fucking great. It's great. It's his finest moment in the whole series because he's really pissed off and Pesci just crushes it. But even like when he goes into the office and they're like, do you have a pass? He's like, you want to see my fucking pass? Okay, okay. And he holds up his wound. He's like, there's my fucking pass. Right there's my fucking pass. You know what they did to me? Why would they need to investigate my asshole if I got shot in the fucking arm? What do you think about that? Okay, okay, okay. And they fucking thought, and he's doing his whole thing, but he is off the chain and it is probably, in my estimation, the funniest part in the series, even if it's couched in something absolutely garbage. But, but- but the other thing with the ice, the whole ice rink scene, which was just a way to really, they were like, they really wanted to show the, um, so the LA Kings or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. They, they really wanted to show that. They basically wanted to shoot at a hockey game. That's what it yeah. was. Was they like, I want to shoot a hockey sudden game. death exists. Um, the, the, the whole way that happens, none of that makes sense. Also, yeah. it's just like, hey, okay, cool. So we know who this guy is, though, right? Yeah. Oh no, we know. We totally know who this well, guy is. No, you know how they were able to find him. Uh, it was a, it was a powerful Leo, combination of things. Well, yeah, Leo, knew who he, Leo knew who he was. They had yeah. the footage from the thing, but also construction guy from part two hooked them up because he had done construction for that guy before. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's why construction guy returned. But also, uh, didn't, and also the, the, their captain knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. The, from the yeah, camera. The captain, and the, uh, yeah, 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 for the camera and everything. But I'm saying like, so oh, it's, like, all this it's stuff, overwritten to the point of being underwritten. It, it's but insane. That's the thing. Yeah. But it, it, what doesn't make sense is like, Okay, we need to go find this guy. We're going to find him. We're going to find him at the only place where 20,000 people will be together. Yeah. We know who he is. Oh, okay, cool. Well, why don't we look up any building permit? We know what his business is tied to. Why don't we just go there? Like We, he we has- know that he has season tickets to this game. We yeah. can show up in the parking lot of any game and pick him yeah. up. But also, no questions asked. Also, here's the thing. We know he has an LLC. Go to the state house and pull the LLC find out what that's tied to that's going to be tied to a fucking bank loan like yeah, there's why is so this many... guy a ghost he's like the least makes no ghost. Sense. yeah he was a cop he is he is more in the system than anyone would be in the system yeah anyway let's just get uh, to what the about, what about yeah. the cruelest thing in this whole movie what's that the young kid who's a brand new cop a plucky oh. young cop who, who gets is shot? introduced in one scene to be like, I really yeah. want to hang out with Riggs and Murtaugh. And they're yeah, like, and he, and he, kid, but be yeah, in the shooting seconds range. later, he's dead. And yo, did dead. you notice? Did you hear Murtaugh's line? Uh, wait, do I have it written down? No. No, so when Murtaugh gets to the young cop who is dead from being shot with the cop killer armor-piercing bullet, Murtaugh comes across him, stops, and goes, why do they keep killing these kids? And then... <laughs> 
He has a full psychotic break. He has a full psychotic yeah. from here on out. Murtaugh is unhinged. He is back. He is He's a broken he is, man. No, no. He is He's back on the front lawn of his house in the fire hydrant rain, watching Gary Busey yeah. threaten to murder his family. And he is about to shoot everyone. Throw he a goes, cash down on the flight. Dude, dude he legit, he is like, has tears well up in his eyes when he gets up to the cop whose name I can't remember. And he, cause the, the whole thing is you were introduced to that cop earlier in the movie. He's a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. But you're introduced as a younger cop with like spiky hair. He's plucky young cop. And he, he is in the scene where they show off the Chekhov's gun, armor piercing bullets, where they put it over the target and shoot through it. And they go cop killers. Which and, uh, did you notice who else was in that pool of cops watching? Who? A 1980s movie staple, Miguel Nunez Jr., a.k.a. Joanna Man. Oh! He's one of the cops. Okay. All right, that's true. Um, now, finally, to the McMansion, uh, to the McMansion uh, uh, fight. Uh, yes, which, which there is a line that Rig says during, uh, that Murtaugh says during this that has one of the best deliveries ever that I'm going to try and recreate. When Rig sets up the, the truck that has a trail of fire, Yes. Murtaugh says, and I quote, Riggs, you crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> it's the weirdest delivery. He, pauses, he, like, he just like, like running out of breath. pauses and gets lost for a second and then hits this like hardcore bitch. And I um, wrote in parentheses, they say son of a bitch a lot in this one. And they do. Yeah. Well, they're trying to get away from the fucks because I think, I think slowly as the movies are progressing, they want them to be... These movies have this weird this is a rated R movie. It's okay to watch with your kids. As yeah. long as you're in the room, because I remember when Lethal Weapon 4 came out, like I said, I was in seventh or eighth grade when that movie came out. And I remember like that being a very big blockbuster rental. Oh yeah. Everyone in middle school watched Lethal Weapon 4. We had seen the other ones. Um, again, Lethal Weapon 1, I think it, because of the titties at the beginning of Lethal Weapon 1 and it being the first thing you see, that wasn't pushed as much on us as like, hey, this is an action movie that's okay that you can watch well, with your kids. That one wasn't supposed to be fun. That one was like its own no. thing. And then we yeah, turned it was into supposed fun. to be darker. Yeah. But a couple as we get years more back, yeah. I watched all of these movies with the Richard Donner commentary once back in the mm -hmm. day. And the one refrain that Donner keeps coming back to is he kind of chuckles to himself whenever something happens on screen that's ridiculous. And he goes, that's what I love about making these movies. I mean, they really let you get away with murder. And I think that's what makes these movies so lasting is that even though they're ridiculous and dumb, like at the end of the day, they really are designed to be fun and no amount of logic is going to get in the way of that fun. No yeah. amount of, of any sort of thematic weight is going to get in the way of we're making this fun. And so I think that's why they endure despite the fact that they have some of the most dated elements collectively. Well, I mean, you look at it like, okay, so my mom is somebody who, if any movie I'm watching, if we're watching it together, She'd be like, well, that would never happen. Yeah. Well, this thing, like, she's one of those. The only franchise she won't She's do that like, to. that's not how armored car security shifts work. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, the only, the only movie franchise she won't do that to is James Bond. My mom, like, legit, any movie, does not matter what the fuck the movie is, she will sit there and, like, argue about the physics of the way an arm would swing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, when it came to 
Uh, I remember watching one of the James Bond movies, the one where he he slides down the side of a mountain on a cello case, yeah. right? It was on like Showtime or something. And my mom was watching it and I played cello. I have a cello case. I'm like, that won't work. And my mom looked at me and she said, shut up. It's just good fun. And that is <laughs> amazing. That is lethal weapon. I mean, this is a woman who would like as argue with me about how Star Trek transporter technology will never happen. Um, so it's just like, you know, it kills you every time. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Um, that but, that um, old chestnut. Yeah, but 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 we should we should wrap up here on this one. But we I, should because I am going to pause for a pee in a second. Yeah, there's but a um, before things. we do four, it is worth noting that we have done an hour and twelve minutes on Lethal Weapon God, three, the one it. that we agree is the worst. But I think that's appropriate. Yeah, because it given... sucks so bad. But listen, this is the part that drives me the craziest. Okay, first thing, the whole idea of these armor piercing bullets, right? The cop whole killers. idea of these the cop killers, right? The whole idea of these bullets. Do you know where they got the armor piercing bullets from? Cops. No, for a fucking gun store. They're not illegal. No, it was, um, it was, uh, wasn't the whole thing that there was a, uh, a storage facility of confiscated yeah, weapons? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but because they, they start that's to talk about the getting it through. And what's and, funny though is that's one of those moments of they get close to something interesting because they yeah. start to introduce this idea that there is an internal economy of guns being put on and taken off the streets involving yep. law enforcement, yep. but they never go far back enough to first they touch cause. On, they touch on the fact that there's one gun I think that was used in the armored robbery was used in like four other murders. Yeah. Like Renee Russo is the one who points out like this gun keeps showing back up, but we keep, it's still on our system yeah. four times. Like They never go back to first cause, but they no. do introduce the idea of this cycle. Like they're just sitting yeah. right there. Yeah. But the one thing though is like armor piercing bullets, like you can get them. Yeah. Like you can get, like, like that's the one thing. They're acting like it's this technology that is secretly being held, but in like a military, but it's not. It's you can no, get them. Can get but the other thing too, the armor piercing bullets don't make sense in this movie because yes, it, they shoot through the one cop's body armor and kill the young cop, right? He then proceeds at the very end to kill the bad guy. Murtaugh shoots through, let me, let me just check this correctly, a fucking bulldozer. Uh, Riggs shoots through it because he's about to get run over and he and yeah, Murtaugh yeah. throws him a gun. And yeah, then in a has... beautiful moment of ADR, you hear Danny Glover in a sound studio say, cop killers, Riggs. Yeah, and then yeah. he, and he yeah. shoots through the bulldozer. Yeah. Um, and that guy, as he dies, goes, oh, no, my and creation then... has killed me. This yeah. is like Frankenstein. And then he's yeah. on fire. Yeah. yeah. And he's on fire and he drives into the burning McMansion yeah. that collapses on him on, and the bulldozer. Meanwhile, the reason why Riggs really wants to kill this guy is because he shot Rene Russo um, with cop killer bullets. Yeah. And he's concerned that she is dead. But then the big reveal, she's wearing two bulletproof vests. Oh, thank God. It's like oh. she knew. It's like she knew. She's wearing two bulletproof vests. Um, mind you, uh, the, the big thing that helps besides the Kevlar bulletproof vest is a, a small piece of, of metal. Yeah. Um, that is uh, thinner than a fucking bulldozer blade. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, the last I love I that had... science, though, where it's just like, nah, just what you need yeah. to know about cop killers is that they go through things that they shouldn't go through. Also, <laughs> so that's never... all we need to know. But why didn't they ever use the, the fucking Ice T song, Cop Killer? Dude, um, ins- Ice T probably, probably read the script and was like, you can't no. have my song, man. No. Uh, so I have two last notes. One is why can't people leave Danny Glover alone in the bath? Um, oh yeah, my final note is quite literally Murtaugh's family loves surprising him in the tub. Yeah. Um, the, also, I just have the word word 
I don't I remember there's moments he says word. Oh, yeah. I think well, he says word he, to his son. He says yeah, word. That, I, I was mentioning yeah. that earlier when his son yeah. does something and he goes, word, dad. Word. And then he goes, uh, word. word. And his son yeah. looks at him like, yeah, you're not as cool, but okay. Yeah, but then at the end, he actually knows how to say word. Yeah. Uh, but the abs- my absolute last uh, note for Lethal Weapon 3 is just, it closes with an Elton John song? Yes, That's- it does. <laughs> it does indeed. This has, had, this has quite the star-studded soundtrack. Is it the first one's Elton Sting, John. Sting, Clapton, Elton John, George Harrison, like really some heavy hitters. It's wild, but I think it's legit just like whoever was in LA that weekend and wanted cocaine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to go to Richard Donner's house and do cocaine? Yes. Yeah. Dick Donner. Good yeah. old Dick Donner. Dick I'm, Donner? Going to, I'm going to hit the pause button and we okay. will come back to Lethal Weapon 4. It's not going to have to render though because it's just a pause. BRB. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so now that our old man bladders are satisfied, it's time to enter the final chapter, the final form of Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 4. Lethal Weapon 4 so far. So far, yes, because it was rumored that they were going to do a five for many years, and one of the things that they were going to do was kill off Riggs and have it just be a Murtaugh story, but uh, everybody involved, like, wasn't really agreeing on killing off Riggs. As early as I think two years ago, they had an idea for five and everybody said that they would do it. Gibson, uh, Glover and Richard Donner. Richard Donner has since passed, but it has been not officially, but unofficially agreed upon that Mel Gibson would pick up directing reins for five. Who knows if it'll happen, but as it stands four is supposed to be the closing chapter. Well, and they also, Warner Brothers went, because Warner Brothers owns the Lethal Weapon franchise, they came in and uh, made the TV show mm-hmm. um, in subsequent years, which is, I think, had three seasons. In that show, they did kill off Riggs because uh, the, yeah, the actor, uh, one of the, the weigh-ins did not get along with the actor who's playing Riggs, so they replaced him with Stifler, um, and he just became a different guy, <laughs> like some guy named didn't, uh, didn't Thomas Lennon play uh, Leo Getz? I don't know. I never watched the show. I actually legit, heard that it was actually pretty good. I This was my reaction to Lethal Weapon, the show. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Are, are we out of ideas? Okay, that um, was it. That was it. I was like, it was because it was 2015, 2016, I think, when it came out. I was like, I just don't, I didn't care. I was like, my, yeah. my complete reaction to that show's existence was this. Huh. Yeah. That's it. There, there, it also, also for me, it was the fact that it was on Fox and there's nothing... There's very few things that the Fox network can ever put on that draw me to it. Yeah. Um, but let's let's speak about things that you can be drawn to, which is Lethal Weapon 4. And I want to start off this, this intro. Uh, it was all fire, no song this time. Oh, yeah. Lethal Weapon 3, we had fire and a song. This, this is time, just it's fire. Just fire because they are fighting a literal supervillain at the beginning my, of this movie. My very first note for Lethal Weapon 4 is, and I quote, what is happening and why? Because this film opens with a flamethrower man burning downtown LA with his flamethrower. He has a flamethrower and an AK-47. My first note on here is just said, would have been great if they had kept those armor-piercing bullets from six years ago. (laughs) Right? Because the whole thing is they're shooting this guy and the bullets are banging off of him. Um, They cycled those back out on the streets. We learned this. We went over this. So then they go through this whole thing about um, because that this they're they're both think they're about to die. Um, they both reveal the pregnancy status of each other's partners and kids to each other. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, Danny Glover knows that Renee Russo is pregnant, and for some other reason, Mel Gibson knows that Danny Glover's daughter is pregnant. Um, yes, it becomes a whole thing, and then 
then there's a gas station explosion. Uh, and which is awesome, is, awesome explosion. I'm going to say is dumb, but it's the reason we all paid. We bought, it's the reason you rented this movie from Blockbuster. It's because the trailer showed you man with a flamethrower backpack. And it's lifting off the gas. ground. The, yep. the, the, tanker the tanker truck lifts yeah. off the ground as the explosion goes. Um, uh, there, yeah, so what, what happens here is first, uh, uh, Riggs reveals to Murtaugh that Rihanna is pregnant. And uh, Murtaugh's first concern is, quote, is he black? He better be black which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but at this point, we do not know who the father is. We don't is. know anything else. And then and then we time jump. No, we, we don't time make... jump yet. Because we have oh. to talk about this. Okay. What is the plan in order to get out of the situation where Riggs and Marta are hiding behind a car while an indestructible man on a rampage is shooting them at flames and bullets? Oh, uh, Riggs get... says, why not strip down to your skivs, head on out there and dance like a chicken? And then when he turns, I'll shoot the valve on his backpack and make him explode. And that's what they do. But at no point does Murtaugh ever go, you know what? No. Of all the things you've convinced me to do, there's a million different ways we can distract him. Why would I need to take my clothes off or do a chicken dance? I could just stand out there and that would work. So so there is because that's what they do, because it's fucking funny. No, because it's Flandersization as well, because we've gotten mm-hmm. to the point now mm-hmm. where we all know he's going to give in. So why waste the time to even have the argument? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, true. we can waste three minutes of runtime with you two going back and forth while this guy is slowly shooting at the car at you that the bullets could either both can go through and not um, and all this yeah. different stuff. Or you can just fucking do the thing we all know you're going to do, which I think yeah. is we're slowly getting to the point of resignation in these films of we're not even going to explain it. We're just going to do it because we've explained them in prior films. It's like well, in star Wars, we don't need to explain what the death star is every fucking time or that there's a giant weapon. Well, and we there's just a, a giant weapon and you know how we're going to do this. There's an expansion of the formula here because as of, as of one and two, the whole idea is the interplay between Riggs and Murtaugh. Yes. That is now secondary because in four, which is written I, I think purposefully to be a final chapter. Yeah. It's like, now we're going to complete the arcs that we were promised and the needs of a franchise uh, did not allow to come to fruition because we still need to be able to reset this story. So now we will close it. They will learn not to kill. They will learn to love family. But part of that comes with, we're moving away from them as a duo and more into a team aesthetic with mm-hmm. them, Rene Russo, Chris Rock, and Joe Pesci. And yep. so, yeah, there's no time to be like, we know what that argument sounds like where they're both going to go back and forth. So instead, let's get some ex- exposition out of the way. They're both going to have a new baby in their lives. And real quick, let's get to the explosion so that we can put it on a on a little news story and have that be a little gag later. Yeah. And 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 the whole thing is, is that as they're moving towards this, because once Joe Pesci's character becomes a character that it will forever be in the universe... Once Leo gets is there as the third man, again, it's completely, we're getting further and further that from the Riggs and Murtaugh being central. Because yeah. again, we don't care about who the lethal weapon is. We care about the universe of, of this, this group of people. And uh, it's becoming more and more of an ensemble thing lately. Um, well, that's something that if you look now, because of the success of the Fast and Furious franchise, 
every single movie is trying to move towards a team aesthetic. Yes. What happens in the third triple X movie? They build a team. What happened in the latest Bond movie? They build a team and made it more a more team thing. And one thing that's a really easy and organic way to address diversity concerns. And another mm -hmm. thing is like, that's a great way to plant the seeds of a universe and just see which portions take. Lethal Weapon was almost planting that seed in the middle of a franchise, just didn't quite have the idea of how much further that could expand. Yeah. Um, but sort of did it accidentally, which I think I got to show it some respect for. I mean, hell, oh. they land. The last line in this movie is, oh, is this all your uh, all your friends? And they're like, no, 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 we're family. And I was like, yeah, ah, yeah. Toretto. Ah! <laughs> um, so we do time jump after the intro. Quite literally, uh, we time jump, quote, almost nine months later. Yeah, because they, they get both us... find out. Yeah, they yeah. want to get us to these babies are about to happen. Yes. So. Um, oh, yeah, so because I... Myrta, we need that deadline. And uh, the birthday was the deadline in the first one. And the third one, it was his retirement. Now yep. that he has decided not to retire, it's the countdown to birth. Yep. Yep, exactly. So this but is the countdown to. I do love Murtaugh. the cheeky humor of the title card saying literally almost nine months later. That's very yeah, funny. That, that was that's very, very clever. That's a, that's a good idea. So I have written down here uh, my first note after the time jump is just a check off shark. Um, because again, there isn't a moment in there's nothing that is revealed in Lethal Weapon that isn't later used as a weapon itself. Yeah. Um, the shark. Um, and then also immediately followed by Chekhov's laser sight, because the big thing in the 1998 movies was every gun has a laser pointer on it. Yep. Um, it is a very cheap and easy way to uh, show where something is being pointed. Yeah. It looks really cool in a lot of cinema. It felt futuristic. On, yeah, 97 on. Everything had fucking laser sights on it. You could fog up a room, have the guys walk through. If you want to make them look like bad guys and, and cyberpunk, make the laser sight green. And also, I believe right off the bat, Riggs is able to not just bounce a bullet off of a barrel, but also bounce the laser sight off yes, of a barrel. I actually which have is a note here. Completely says, impossible. I have a note in all caps that says that is not how laser pointers work. Yes. Um, but the scene you know what's of funny? That's literally my note is that's not how laser sights work <laughs> right there. That's yeah. not how laser sights work. Oh, wow. I, uh, I have on here um, that the, 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 the boat scene before everything starts to kick off um, with the, with the Chinese trawler that comes by that the boat scene, the three of them on the boat and Leo looking for a gun to kill the shark that he's pulled in. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just examine that we've gotten to the point where that sentence actually Doesn't, just sounds it sounds normal in the in yeah. the context of this yeah leo caught a shark insane. and he wants to shoot it um, he said there's but, a line that i've written down that's just a good pesci delivery where someone yeah. says like blah 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 blah, leo and he goes well why didn't you say that before roger yeah <laughs> it's so good <laughs> um but the, the talk the, to the head talk to the head the three of them speaking is the closest anyone comes to therapy or introspective in in every one of the movies. There's a the literal of therapist them talk, begging yeah, them to begging, do therapy. Begging. In this movie, too, she actually finally gets a little bit of comeuppance. Yeah. And he actually starts playing it. You know, I really do need to come in. She's like, oh, my God, thank fucking yes. And then he he breaks her. She yeah. actually gets back at him, curses him out. She stands her ground. And he breaks her again just because that's what Riggs does to this therapist. He's a bully. He is a yeah. misogynist. And he is a real, real asshole. But I'll tell you what, that smile is aces. We love him. Yeah. And he gets the job done. 
Um, I have a few things written down here um, about this whole boat chase Actually, scene. My, my line after the laser is, quote, Riggs really is a bully, but he's a scamp. Yeah, this, he's a scampy bully. He's our bully. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I have a line in here somewhere that just says, this is why cops commit war crimes. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. couldn't, couldn't but anyway, everything be on that list? The whole thing of them being on this boat out of the middle of nowhere and the other boat almost hitting them, uh, you know, bringing the illegal immigrants to all this stuff, right? The, um, they didn't have to chase the boat. Yeah. It's a giant boat. And I think the only reason they chased it is because it went too close to their boat. No, no, it almost crashes into them, right? Yeah. Which is what makes them, drives that, which enrages them. Yeah. That this giant boat did Why would you ever do that to a cop boat? Yeah, exactly. And so they, and then once they start chasing them and things, and the, the, the shootout begins, it goes, again, zero to 100 with them. Um, zero to 100. Crime a finds them. Yeah, like like crime shows up at their doorstep, and they're just the volatile enough to enable it to be to become an explosion eventually. Um, but yeah, so it builds on here. But here's the thing: again, much like the in *Lethal Weapon* three, the armored car chase, they don't have jurisdiction. You're mm-hmm. LAPD officers. You're not in a river. You're this is Coast Guard territory. They do try to call it in to the Coast Guard. Okay, great. But again. These guys are going to go to a dock where they'll then be dealt with by port authority and federal officials. They're in, oh, yeah. they're in federal. This is California. Riggs and Murta are always operating under the assumption that they, that they will have just, jurisdiction, well, that they'll hold shit together until the people get there. But then yeah. they don't hold shit together. They tear it apart and set it aflame. Yeah. So they go through the whole thing. They, they kill everyone they can on the yeah. Chinese boat. And then so. Yeah. And then they discover that it's full of it's full of migrants. Um, who are being who are being uh, shipped uh, over from China and this whole deal? Trafficked and is the word. They're being trafficked. That's the word I'm looking for. They're being trafficked, and they have a racist immigration officer explain to them how they're all going to be shipped back. Wait, and if I remember correctly, Stephen Root. I no, don't not remember. not Stephen Root. It's the other guy. It's the jump to conclusions Matt guy from Office Space. Yes, yes, I it made is a him. Matt. It it's him. not Stephen Root. It's yeah. yeah, yeah what yeah, is yeah. his name? I don't remember. With a bunch name. of conclusions on it that you jump yes. to yeah yeah i know who you're talking about but yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's a very good character actor in a lot of things but yeah he basically just gives like a nice anti-immigration but i work in immigration speech um it's, well, it's really they, awful they tap into the idea that this is now personal to Murtaugh because as a man of color, he associates what he sees with the with underground the historical railroad. treatment of, of black people. Black yeah. people. And so and specifically a smart he, writing choice, but yes. once again, because we are in lethal weapon, the execution only ends up going so far. Yes. A hundred percent because he, because here's the other thing that makes no sense. Right. So these, this, he, he the, the beach is full of people. There's yeah. lights up everywhere. They introduce Chris rock. Chris Rock screams about there being oh, a murder. Uh, whose name is Butters, by the way. Yeah, his, his name, name is Butters. Butters. Yeah. His name so is they, Butters. Yeah, they introduced Detective Butters. And, <laughs> He's Butters. Um, and they always call him names besides Butters that yeah. sound Cutters, kind of like Butters. Cutters, but Butlers. It's never as good as Cutters. They always call him just like, yeah, it's uh, it's Beepers or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's never but, but as But Butters is already, like, yeah. that's already degrading. His, his actual name is degrading. Um. But they go through this whole thing. So everyone's forgetting. And then like Marvin Butters. 
I don't remember. I think it might be. I'll look it up while you go. I'm sorry. Wait, is that who is that who they were holding the phone up to when during Back to the Future? Is that who yeah. answers the phone to learn? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, because yeah, because Michael J. Fox goes on at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance and just starts doing Def Jam comedy. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, your kids, you you guys probably hate this. In fact, you probably want to physically harm me, but your kids are going to love it. Yeah. Your kids are going to love it. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. your cousin, Marvin, Marvin no, actually, Butters. Actually, I think those kids would love the uh, N-word laden uh, stand-up comedy of Chris Rock and Def Jam. Yeah. <laughs> um, or Def Comedy Jam. Um, anyway, so the, um, the whole thing, though, is oh, that. It's Lee Butters. Lee Butters. Okay. I don't know where I got Marvin. There's got to oh, be a Marvin God. in this series. No, you know, maybe I'm thinking Martin Riggs. But Murtaugh finds a Chinese family, a large Chinese family, it's like 12 people. Yeah. In a lifeboat, under a tarp, in the water. And like, no one notices that he just is like, yeah, these are, these 12 are mine. And he brings yeah. them home. Like, <laughs> and he's hiding them. He's hiding them with no plan whatsoever. No immigration lawyer, nothing involved with this. It doesn't make fucking sense. Riggs says to Murtaugh that it's that he's got to be careful. It's illegal to shelter this family. Yeah. And I have a note here, all caps. When has legality ever, ever, ever mattered to Riggs? Well, because in this moment. <laughs> because in this moment, here. it exists have, to protect immigrants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a note here. It just says... Gibson pretending that he cares about immigration and slavery. This is the heaviest <laughs> acting he's ever done in anything. What's so funny about this is like, Riggs is always like, whatever, we'll kill him. The law doesn't matter. And then here he's yeah. like, wait, we have to keep it quiet to protect these immigrants? You got to understand this is against the law. I don't know if Dude, I can I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. Roger, this, Roger, Raj, this, Raj. this is crazy, Raj. This is crazy. Wait, but the other thing too is that- Raj, this is reckless. You're trying to tell me that you're housing this family and you're yeah. going to feed them and be nice to them and keep them out of bondage? Yeah. Raj, Raj, this is illegal and this is frankly a little off base. This is fucking crazy. Of all the things, this is crazy. Yeah, but also, also- they but can Riggs, easily. Riggs, I shot a kid. That was crazy. Like, yeah, that yeah. was crazy. That uh, was Roger. crazy. We've never brought it up again. Raj, um, he just puts the gun to his chin. Raj, every day Raj, I have to come up Raj. with a reason not to do this. And, and, yeah. and I think you need to get these people out of the house, Raj. Yeah. Um, so the. <laughs> when uh, did you have principles, Riggs? I also have a note here that just says that's not how train murders work. We'll bring that up later. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know, I'm seeing now that I have a note just to something you said earlier where I wrote, Dr. Woods finally snaps. Yeah. Since we covered that, we'll get that. It'll come up. It'll come up yeah. a little bit. So um, we, we start to get some exposition of kind of what we've been missing for the last nine months, including the fact that Rene Russo and Mel Gibson live together on the beach. Yes. And a thing that I thought was very important, which is actually a nice tie together choice, which shows that the writer... Um, actually watched Lethal Weapon 2 and 3 and had to figure out how to bring them together was that they actually have both dogs. Because you don't see yes. the Border Collie from 2 in Lethal Weapon 3. You only see the Rottweiler. And they kind of, they're like, yeah, I guess. And, and Rene Russo doesn't like dogs, but they're bringing this dog home because they're rescuing him. Yeah. By this movie, because they have both Riggs dogs. does speak dog. He speaks dog. He speaks he has dog, literally. Dogs. Yes. He literally in three, I, that was a note I skipped in three. He speaks yeah. to a dog. He, he talks to it and it listens and then they become friends. They they now are living in a weird 
um, half RV, half uh, prefab home on the beach. Because it's true to Riggs' nomadic bad boy yes. lifestyle to live in a trailer, but yeah. because he's it's, more suburbanized now, yeah, we've put some additions on it. We've we have we've added some additions onto the core of Riggs' personality. Uh, Rene Russo has come, in. but again, I do have a note here that Rene's Russo's place was nicer. Yeah, that's all. It's just that's all it's. They could have gone that way. Place. You could have just stayed with her. Also, your place, your place was exploded by Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I have a note that property. I just. Uh, I love that the Murtaugh family cast is the same people the entire time. Yes, I no, think that, that is that's great. a really that is great amazing. anchor. Is that they kept all of the actors and yes. like. I, know, I I really like the Murtaugh family. And yes. honestly, with what they've been through, they Speaking. should have abandoned Roger by now. Um, they should have given him the ultimatum and said, either you stop hanging out with Riggs yeah. or we leave. Well, but well, luckily, friends well, and family. Well, the one that note I have here is that... Um, Speaking of this friends and family stuff, is why does Riggs always kiss the oldest daughter? On like the lips. a lot, like a lot, yeah, a lot. Four movies deep now, we're over I like fifteen say, years of him just kissing do, this daughter. I remember as a kid when my parents were probably my age now, when they would meet up with friends and stuff. Sometimes when they said hello, they would do like the the side of the mouth kind yeah. of thing, and yeah. that that has fallen out of favor completely in in friends. It still can happen in family, but it has fallen out of favor in friends. But I think around the time of this movie, it might have, or at least around the time that it was established that we could use a weird social convention to stoke the comedy of Murtaugh yes. always thinking Riggs is going to fuck his daughter. Yeah. But now it's just a thing that's still left over from that to play that joke, but has fallen out of societal uh, uh, practice. So, so, so speaking of which, um, I have a note here that just said, because they, they, they talk about how they don't know the gender of the babies. Yeah. And I said, if they did have a gender reveal party, all of LA would burn. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> it just, like, if they had to actually... Uh... I saw a tweet earlier today that was something of the effect of like a gender reveal party where it's a real small affair. It's just you and your partner and your doctor. And then your doctor tells you what the gender is and then, you know, and then you go home. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That sounds incredible. But they keep going through this thing. Like they're hiding whether or not they're having a boy or a girl. And yeah. at this time, it's a very easy thing to know. It's so they're, yeah. they're making an active choice to not know, well, which so is weird. What um, we know, what we know is I forget at what point Murtaugh, Murtaugh's family finds out that he knows because for the movie, they all know that Rianne is pregnant, but he doesn't. No, he finds out at the beginning. He finds out at the beginning, but when but does he doesn't the, know when he, does the oh, family know he knows? Because there's a dynamic here where the family is keeping that oh, secret from well, Murtaugh. Well, because the, he didn't want his daughter dating a cop, and they all well, know that the father is a cop. So they are hiding, they hide that until obviously we see that reveal. But somewhere between the the supervillain flamethrower guy and the boat, he obviously has dealt with the fact that his daughter is pregnant. Yeah, and they're hiding, and she's rather than tell her dad that she's married to a police officer. Oh yeah, she's married. You're right. Yeah, she's yeah. married. She got secretly married to a police officer. Rather than inform him of that, because she lives in such fear of this man, she is letting him believe that he had a, a one night stand and is refusing to get an abortion. Yeah, yeah that makes more insane. sense. <laughs> in the lethal weapon universe than admitting that you have met a good man who is a police officer who reminds you of your father yeah who 
works with him and all this stuff. But because he is a cop, your dad, who only is friends with cops, fucking hates cops. Well, and also sense. his reason is you can't, you can't, you can't be married to a cop because I would hate to see my daughter become a widow. I don't need her associated with this life. And it's like, you have gotten your daughter kidnapped multiple times. Multiple times. Because and possibly, cop- and possibly sexually assaulted. Possibly, you've yeah, almost, possibly raped. You've almost, uh, you've almost cost her her job multiple times. Yeah. Um, your home has been uh, exploded, uh, yeah. burned down, driven into. Uh, the kids have had to go into hiding multiple times. Your wife's uh, all, car is constantly yeah, being your replaced. Wife's car, your wife's car. Uh, you were given the option to early retirement um, and hundreds of thousands of dollars where you would never have to put your family in this danger again and chose said, nah, I want to hang out with my buddy. So how about fuck you, Murtaugh? Yeah, how about fuck, fuck you, Murtaugh. So there are two subplots that become a brewing at this point. One is that Murtaugh thinks that Lee Butters is attracted to him. And so it's more yes. gay panic where it's because, because actually Chris Rock's being nice to him. He's being he's nice gonna because be, he's going to be, he is his father. Because he fucked father, his daughter. He fucked and, his daughter. And, but it's like such a genuine love that he yes. reads it and it it's a gay panic. The other thing is that uh, Murtaugh starts flashing cash. And lot, we need yeah. to know where this cash is coming from. And he's like tight lipped about it. So these yes. two seeds are planted, which. And, and, and Renee Russo drops really a line. A, they're Renee, fun. Oh yeah, yeah that's it, true. She drops yeah, a line. Yeah, she she's just reading line, she, in the novel. Yeah, yeah. And, but she also drops a line specifically that, hey, you know, IA is worried about your best friend and partner, which again, Renee, are you ever going back to this job? Because yeah. you're, you just lost it. Because you just informed them that there's an investigation against Murtaugh. I think she's on maternity leave. She's on maternity, but I'm but, saying uh, like, if yeah. she was to return, she stopped into the office to say hi to everybody oh, while it's, she's on maternity leave. What I mean leave. to say is it's an even huger breach because she shouldn't even be working this case. Yeah, no, she and she isn't working this case. Yeah. She sees she's, the file yeah. or hears about it. Someone in the office tells Renee Russo, who is in a relationship, a deep relationship with a target of the internal affairs uh investigations partner and then she tells the partner who then at any point in time could turn to could turn to Murtaugh and be like are you stealing money are you embezzling (laughs) like what is going on like are you why do you have so much money all of a sudden which also by the way he had too much money before this yeah before he was flashing cash everywhere and handing the kids money his house multiple cars adding additions on a thing he has a fucking boat like his wife does not work. They've made it clear. His wife does not have a job. Like before this, he, they're a single family household on a public servant salary. It's not like he owns other properties. Like I know yeah. cops out here who, again, they get paid well, but they also then buy investment properties. So they have landlord income or they have investments or some other thing that they take in the extra bit of money that they turn around. And then you could possibly add on the fact that they're dirty. So like, your best friend in the world has no idea where the fuck this money's coming from because who the one for is secrets. Yeah, I love that we started this podcast with you saying, "Oh, I kind of got to keep it down," and now yeah. you're and now <laughs> you're screaming, screaming. <laughs> screaming at the top of my lungs. I apologize um, to my no, wife who was trying to sleep. Um, so wait, uh, the um, I have a note here that so first thing the, the fact that they do say you cost the city's insurance so you can't be cops anymore? Yeah. Was, well, like, so they're like, we're going to give you a promotion. We're going to make you guys captains so you don't leave your desk. They don't have to do that, mind you. Yeah. They could just tell them they can't leave their they're desk. Fired. or Or fire them. Yeah. 
Also, but the the captain is now part of the recurring character family. Like they're yes. really good about getting returning roles because now he's become a character. He used to be the stereotypical frustrated captain, captain but now, now he, he has care. been he's been bullied over by just a career of again. insanity again. And so now Riggs, he's just like he goes to bat for them in secret ways. Like he now operates in the same loose way that Serpico would have hated to see. Yeah, but which is because Riggs. He's a bully. Is is not only just a bully, but he is a force. Um, he is a force of coercion. Yeah. That um, through his self confidence and mania, can uh, bend reality to his will. Um, the captain makes them captains. He reaches into a drawer, which apparently is ostensibly full of badges and no paperwork. Um, he says, "Give me your sergeant badges," and tosses them captain badges. I don't know if that's how badges work. I've never looked into it. Yeah, it it's feels cinematic fake. shorthand. It feels fake. And you'll um, notice then, it happens in front of Leo, and Leo, before the captain can grab one of their old badges, grabs his just grabs badge. it, and now he has a badge, and no yeah, one says which a is, thing. No one says it's, shit about it's it. It's not smooth. They call attention to it. Yeah, the Leo captain a, notices and just yeah. does not care because that go. would get in the way of whatever insanity his whole existence which, as an ancillary character is predicated wh- upon. What's funny is actually like the the stuff that drove me the craziest in Lethal Weapon Three. I'm more willing to accept in Lethal Weapon Four because it's built a little bit more properly like this so like this leo grabbing the badge it's just it is it is insane. much tighter it's it's still yeah it's completely nuts it feels um, less uh but, but like multiple people patching together a script yes, than three it, did also it also feels like it's starting it follows its own its internal rules more yeah um so the one thing that the, the note that did drive me insane though is the captain gives them a promotion in a closed office mm. They walk out the door and everyone says, congratulations. Yeah. Like, and not like they're all waiting with a surprise. It's just as they're walking down the hallway, everyone knows that they've just been promoted. But here's the thing. email didn't go out. They don't explain it, but they do call attention to it. Because as soon as someone says, congrats, Murtaugh goes, oh, word travels quick. And they just make it a joke. And it's like, I guess since you called attention to it, it's okay. But let's not pretend that literal magic didn't just happen. Yes. Um, And then there's more gay panic. Uh, uh, I have a uh, yeah. There's plenty. Just, of it's just a series of gay panics. Do you remember? Uh, oh, so uh, the the other gay panic is when uh, they first meet Jet Li, and for some reason, without any sort of preface to it, uh, Riggs refers to him as "Enter the Drag Queen." Yeah, and it's just like it's just like a little bit of racism, a little bit of gay panic, but it doesn't little, have any little context. bit of homophobia. Yeah, yeah, and it's so like just it's in. it's a. Uh, it, it, it doesn't exist in any context of the scene. It's quite literally him just being like, you are Chinese and I am going to emasculate you. Like there's, yeah. there's actually no finesse to the insult. It there's, survives there's almost entirely of... on timing, but that was the one line in this. Like a lot of lines made me cringe, but when yeah. he did the enter the drag queen, I had like a, the, an audible, like, Ooh, that one's not that. That's hard to forgive even with the passage trying, of time. Trying to get through some of these I started to uh, not notice uh, Mel Gibson's <laughs> you become lines. dulled to it. I just had to just let it flow through me like water. Um, and a line, uh, a line that I loved is after they had that kick-ass chase scene through Chinatown with parkour and uh, fantastic stunt work. I do love that Mel Gibson's stuntman is very visible in a lot of these, but I don't yes. mind because it's edited perfectly. I, one well, thing about I, this I, movie, the direction, the editing, and the stunt work are absolutely phenomenal. Yes, but after they they uh, 
after they finish the chase scene and he falls into the dumpster, they have a yeah. guy that's been cuffed and arrested who was just a waiter. Yes. And so why they run. And he's like, because you chased me. And then they're like, yeah. he's like, I'm just a waiter. They're like, fine, what's the specials? So then he rattles off the specials and then they believe him. And uh, then the big punchline is he says he's going to sue them. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. They blow it off. And he says, Johnny Cochran, he fight for me. Yeah. And I'm watching, I was going, they straight up abuse this guy. Like that was just yeah. egregious no, again, racist again, abuse. They <laughs> treated straight him, up racist abuse. They treated him equally to how they treated the jaywalker. Yeah. This is that same general thing. They're, they didn't follow a single procedure, nothing with it. But, but here's we... the thing. It's even worse than the jaywalker because the jaywalker was ignorance of procedure. But this one is doubled with the fact that simply because he was Chinese and nearby, yeah. they, they enacted violence on him. They imprisoned him. And then they made him rattle off the specials in order to. That is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is. That is a little beyond the pale. Well, that and, really and, is. But also I at the same time, a, in the context of the movie, hilarious. Yeah. It's great well, shtick. I actually well. have a I actually have a note in here that just says every time they say Chinese, it feels racist. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really just, it becomes it becomes that. Um uh, so I want there's a very important moment in here that we began talking about with um uh, Lethal Weapon 2 which was something that was driving me insane as I've been watching this series. And again, it goes back to Leo Getz and Joe Pesci. Um, I, we talked about earlier about how the character is Jewish coded, um, but they don't ever acknowledge it until Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> yep. Where there's a scene. He says it. He this, says it. Another He's, great scene of shtick. The shtick is, is great, fantastic it, in this scene. It's good shtick. It's good shtick. However, the whole thing is he pulls up next to Merton Riggs, Chris Rock's in the back seat. Which, and, a little and context, he, it's he's following them because he's a PI now and yes. he's practicing his tailing skills, but he's terrible a, at it because they always SUV. Yes, yeah, they yeah, always a, know he's following. It's a giant 1998 Ford, red, red Ford Explorer. It's mm. massive um, and he looks tiny in it. Yeah. And he's Chris Rock in the back and he goes, who's this guy, a perp? And Chris Rock goes into a whole thing back and forth about you see a black guy in the back of a car and you assume he's he's a criminal, all this different stuff. And they proceed. Joe Pesci yells, oh, what, what, what? You thought German Jews had it easy? And then they start having what I can only call as a, a victim off yeah. over who's been victimized Wait, more. Well, the line but, is, because they're going back and forth. He's like, why you got to be so sensitive? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm a German Jew. That wasn't a walk. You, you think growing up yeah. as a German Jew was a walk in the park? <laughs> yeah, which, and then from that moment forward, Leo Getz is only Jewish. <laughs> up until that moment... <laughs> Up I until never that moment, we'd be getting this he, deep into Lisa no, Weapon, no, but I love hold it. On. But think about it. Up until that moment, he was an accountant, right? Yeah. He was a realtor. He's been a PI. From this moment forward, he shows up and just starts dropping like Jewish knowledge on things. He's By the end of the movie, he there. has a rabbi. He stops he, the glass. He, he won't let them be married without stopping yeah, the glass. Yeah, he, yeah. But, but he brings it. He shows up with a fucking rabbi. He, when they're at the, like, he, he does a very Jewish thing of talking. Um, you know, to to Mel Gibson at the end at the at the gravesite. Oh, and I'm his, pretty sure his tale about Froggy. Yeah, about Froggy and all Legi- this different shit. Legitimately like, heartwarming moment. Legitimately, legitimately heartwarming, heartwarming moment. moment. But like everything from that moment forward becomes, you know, Joe Pesci. The yeah, Jew. Yeah. Like, the it's, Jew. <laughs> like it's always been like until 
that moment. It was kind of like a little bit here and there. Like even when he goes to the dentist, no, you're so right. He's like a Jew. Yeah. Like, my tooth. And everyone yeah. They're like, well, what, how, how are we going to get distracted dentist? Have the Jew go in and whine real loud and we can just walk in. And that's what they do. It's not because it's Leo. It's because he has... He has Jew powers of just annoying and the just, shit out of In case uh, anybody is brand new to the show, I would just like to point this out. Uh, uh, Alex Perlman, you are Jewish, correct? No. No? I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. No, I'm Jewish. You could have fooled me. This has been a 20-year prank I've been playing on Dan. <laughs> it's a pretty I good am one. Actually, I am actually 100% uh, British. Um I have never been in a sit. No, I'm, I'm Jewish. If you yes. dropped a thick Irish brogue and it was like, that explains the red. There it is. Yeah. No, uh, um, yeah. I just wanted to get your, your qualifications in there before I can lose all subscribers. Um, yeah, no, but, but, but real quick. So the, um, you, you were talking about the, the chase scene through yeah. from the restaurant that is from rush hour. Um, Cause that's yes. where, and, and, and we don't, we don't want to go too deep into it, but we all, we just want to acknowledge that the fried rice scene is, um, the most racist thing oh, that yeah. happens out of short of killing a black child. They, uh, he does do a uh, accented vernacular of fried rice and and prick to Benny Chan, and yes. then Benny Chan actually undercuts it and mocks his racism, and he's like, and he just says it with with the hard R sound, yeah. And he's like, your your stereotype isn't even accurate. But yeah. not to be deterred, fried rice and prick being said with L's is something that Gibson does at least two more times uh, yes. in the movie, despite that, um, um, including to a corpse. Now um, this uh this uh, restaurant, have, uh, real, I've been real, there in Los Angeles, there? and the restaurant is, prides itself on having been in movies because the front wall of the restaurant is brick and painted on it just says this is the restaurant from Hollywood movie Rush Hour Two. That's uh, awesome. But in if you go to Hollywood, I've only been to LA once, but everywhere you go, everybody's got the thing that they're trying to tie themselves to the industry. And so it would make sense that even a restaurant that has been in a couple movies as the Chinese food restaurant uh, would make that part of their appeal. I mean, I got dumplings there on the strength yeah. of what it said on the wall, and they oh. were pretty. They were pretty good. If I ever go to LA, I will go there. Um, I would. I, I wouldn't no go out of my way. It, it was I, pretty average, but you know, like this movie. Um, I have a note here that's written. That's not how sprinklers work. Because again, um, again, as they're racially intimidating. Uh, Uncle Benny in the in his Chinese restaurant um, that clearly has not had an issue too often, even though we, you know, Uncle Benny's connected, but we don't know how mm. uh, we don't know anything else. All they do is they come in, they are extremely racist to him and then pull the fire alarm, which sets off the sprinklers. They steal an umbrella um, after breaking a window and leaving. Doesn't he and, shoot through the window? No, I think he just taps it with the gun. Oh, with the gun? Yeah, he breaks yeah he's like, we'll go out this way. It's easier. Yeah. And then sets off the, the, the sprinklers, which, by the way, just to let you know, uh, totals a restaurant. Yeah, um, turning on the sprinklers done. is done because Hollywood sprinklers always make it seem like, oh, it's just a little bit of water until the alarm stop. Sprinkler systems are designed to have like a thousand gallons of water to be dumped. Once it starts and you break that seal, yeah, there's it no runs stopping until it. it's out of water. Yeah. Like it just, and it's, and it's gray water. It's been sitting in a tank. It isn't connected to a hose. It, it exists solely to douse flames. Yes. And it exists to douse the entire building in so much water that the building next door won't catch. Yeah. It is, and it and is, it's, yeah, it's fully, it's not, uh, it's not like powered. It's quite literally like tripwire mechanical. Yeah. There's, there's, it there's goes, a Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, I noted that uh, one, it was very moving when Murtaugh gave the dad his watch when they had a conversation where they drank a shot of scotch together and, yes. and had a broken English conversation um, about how they love their family. Very the moved. absolute best joke in the in in the, the movie happens in this scene. What what is it? I don't remember. They both they both pour like tequila or something, and the 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 immigrant dad says bread, and he's like bread. Oh, toast. Uh... <laughs> and I was I was like, it took me a minute, and when it hit, I was like, that is a very good. That might be the best joke in this sh- in the whole series that's pretty just solid. for a, just a baseline just simple joke do you I, remember I leo's dog scratch story yes oh my god but so real quick, appear- oh yeah go for it yeah real quick just because it begins the scene you were just talking about um the dad the the, the guy who is the the immigrant father of, of the 12 people that uh <laughs> Murtaugh is using the underground railroad in this house for or i guess underground canal since they were on a boat yeah yeah um <laughs> The he Los is Angeles watching River, LA River. Yeah. So he comes home and the dad is sitting in his favorite, in Murtaugh's favorite chair. And he's the one that he watched the porno in uh, by the Christmas tree. Yes. And just to tie it all together, family. he is watching TV in the family room and he is watching a documentary on Chinese communism and Chairman really, They're like, hey, just to be clear, guys, uh, you know, like, China is bad. Yeah. I just want to be. Just in case y'all think like, uh, do you think there was there a sticker like, anywhere? Because like I know that in the third one, the sticker came in the form of a jackknifed big rig truck that had a giant PETA logo about how oh, only that yeah that's like and you know they had the the end apartheid in the first and, one and, like, and and the uh, and dolphin safe tuna was the second yes, one. dolphin safe tuna so there has to I be a sticker see, somewhere. I didn't see one. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't realize that it was a running thing. Yeah. Um. So I didn't look for the sticker in four. Um, I was just really blown away. Like, why would this man watch this documentary? Because, like, this movie's in 1998. The dad's supposed to be... He's aware. He's woke. He, he's, no, but the he's, dad's... Too, he's keyed in. He knows but the dad's dope. also old. So, like, the dad lived through all that. It's like, it would be like you watching a documentary oh, on yeah. Barack Obama. Like, why would you watch a documentary? Like, you were there. Yeah, I, that was the other day, yeah. You know, like, why are you going to sit... You're going to sit around and be like, nah, I'm going to watch... This documentary on Chairman Mao. What? Why are you? You're gonna travel? Like, would you travel all the way to China to watch a documentary on Barack Obama? No. No. You couldn't pay me. No. Why isn't he watching Space Jam, Dan? Why isn't he watching Space? That would make the most sense if he came in. He was watching Space Jam or. The Three Stooges. Yeah, that would be great if he was watching Three Stooges and then to show he's a good uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Leo's dog story. Leo comes yeah. into the uh, precinct with uh, scratches all over himself, and he explains that he got a private investigation job where he had to find a lost dog. And they're like, "Oh, so you found it?" And he was like, "No, I couldn't find it. So I just got a dog down at the pound, and I painted it black to look like their missing dog." And then he says, and "I quote: This dog was a real rat, though. He scratched me all up like this." <laughs> So, but that's the end of it. Like, yeah, all we know is that those people think they got their dog back, and then that he dies. That will that will wash out. Yeah, that he died. It will wash out. They'll find out it's not their dog, but it doesn't matter because he's on. He's no longer a PI. He's just our our Jew. And then uh, Riggs gives a a pun that is one of the worst puns that I have ever heard. After he tells that story, he says, "Douche Ventura." pet infective that's too much it's wow. too many pieces I, uh, again again i i then, must have 
you know what? Much like dad jokes in general, I think I just began to tune them out. It becomes blind. And they're done through ADR. They like all come over ADR. But then as soon as he delivers that, uh, Butters enters and Joe Pesci says, here comes that touchy kid. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. And then he just pulls his jacket over his head and and tucks down on the desk. And then he's gone for the rest of the scene because he's just there hiding from Butters. Is this this around the time where they get the whole they fuck you with the cell phones bit? That's when he reemerges is because... Chris okay. Rock starts going into his, his bit and then the viewer yeah. at home goes, he's legit. Oh, it's a Chris Leo, Rock stand-up bit. Yes, they it's, both it's, have similar ranting styles. Yeah, it's, so it's, now it's, it's, it's a, a Chris effort. Rock stand-up bit. Yeah. yeah. I, and he does is, the whole, and then your Nana does the chick, 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 ticka, 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 chick, 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 Which I think is straight up from Bigger and Blacker. I think so, yeah. But that's the thing. And so now that they both have a similar ranting style, we have gone from just the dynamic of Leo and the guys to now it's Leo and Butters and the guys. It's pretty fantastic writing conceptually. It's just very silly. But I I love that he's like, that touchy kid's here. I'm not here, I'm not here. here." And he just hides. Like, what a great Leo idea to just pull your jacket over your head and effectively disappear because, because you're afraid that this guy who called you out on your racism might do it. Yeah. Well, also, also, my here, here comes that touchy kid. That's yeah. so fucking funny. I love, I love, I love Leo. Well, well, also, also, mind you, um, it plays a double entendre because if he was talking to Murtaugh, he would believe that that Butters is gay. Yeah. On top of that, so it's touchy as in he doesn't like me being a racist, but also yeah. I think he's gay. Yeah. And so he's don't, going don't... to touch me. Don't, don't get the right, me. don't get the wrong idea. He yeah, 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 yeah. But um, so I'm just gonna let's rapid fire to get us move forward a little bit. I'm gonna read you some quick notes. Um, okay. and it's just it starts off basically from uh Murtaugh was too happy to say that too old for this shit line at Riggs. Yep. Um then I just wrote homophobia, Chris Rock stand-up bit, Afghanistan joke in 1998 when none of us knew where Afghanistan was. <laughs> I well, missed in, life in, before September unless 11th. You saw, unless you saw Rambo 3. Unless you saw Rambo 3. Unless you yeah. saw Rambo 3. You could tell, though, they picked Afghanistan because they're like, no one knows where that is. Yeah. Because that was part of the cell phone bit. Uh, well, then it just says, rape joke, laser pointer, butterfly knives used to be cool. And then one day they weren't. Yeah, that's true. When people would pull one out, yeah. it's like, whoa, shit. Now if that happens, I'm like, ah, oh, this person's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, <that's> yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, and ah, the last, gross, dude. The, the last line, which brings us up right clean, up to clean your carpet, right up to gently lighting their house on fire and tying them up. That's my next um, note. I, I have said the line, scene where gently shows up at Murtaugh's house and torches it really highlights how great the direction, editing, and stunt work is. That yes. scene is a masterclass in a danger scene uh, geography. Yes. Like, it, that is so well done. I, <laughs> you know, it's I, funny. My, my next note is Ping saves the day. <laughs> Uh, my note here just says because I know you're watching it as a as a film person. Yes, and as as someone who lives in reality, I wrote. Yeah, I'm, I've not. Been I wrote. I wrote. <laughs> excuse me. Behold the slowest way to kill anyone. Yeah, <laughs> like just. Oh, also, yeah. also, that's, that's a film rule. Too, it goes yeah. as far back as Last Crusade, which is oh, yeah. if. And it's 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 the same thing as like you have to you never shoot the good guys you put them in a fire because that's escapable but still scary. The yeah. same thing is like it's okay for the villain to explain his master stroke because that allows time for the hero to, to pick untie. the handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the same sort of thing. I also wrote down this should have caused both miscarriages. So that's just. <laughs> <the thing. laughs> 
that's the thing i have to live with <laughs> once oh. again to compare this to the fast and furious movies that was always one of my big like bugaboos in fast five is the first hour of that movie is non-stop action and the character of mia is getting punched in the face she's crashing cars jumping off buildings and then like midway through she's like it's probably time to tell you that i'm pregnant i was like you know what you probably should have gotten that confirmed again before didn't making a, a sandwich with, yeah but also also yeah, like, did you, you just eat sushi? a sandwich didn't you eat a sandwich with cold cuts in it you yeah. psycho didn't you just like chug a jug of water in mexico so so they light the house on fire all that stuff happens they're able and, to escape and thanks ping ping, ping saves, saves the, the day. day um and then i wrote the following note Quick, abandon our traumatized wives and children and seek vengeance. It's that's uh, immediately just, what they do. They literally hug them and go, "You know where to go," and just steal their daughter, steal his daughter's car, and leave. And then Murtaugh screaming like a siren yeah. is so funny. It's so good. Well, that he gives is, up uh, all context of having being a sane person now. I actually they uh, just tried to kill his grandchild before he was born. There are two movies in which, uh, in order to recreate a siren noise, someone yells out the window that I can think of. Do you do you know what the other one I'm thinking of is? No. Harry and the Hendersons. The the Bigfoot Harry uh, sticks his head out the window and makes siren noises, and it is goddamn hilarious. Sorry, I there's a movie in a long time. There's a feature, you know, I loved it as a kid. And that's the one thing I remember from it is that and the fact that he didn't fit in the car. So when he sat up, it like bent a shape of his skull into the roof. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have a bunch of goofy lists on Letterboxd where you collect like I have like a list of movies where someone says, get them out of there. Or a, a list where someone gets like, there's a lot of movies where someone's face gets caved in with a fire extinguisher. I came up with two new list ideas that I wrote down while we've been doing these, these uh, podcasts. And uh, so listeners, if you have anything to add to these lists, uh, get at me because I want to make these lists on Letterboxd. The one is movies where a scene turns out to actually be a movie shoot. So that's Lethal Weapon 3. And I have one yep. for Charlie's Angels was in there. And then this one is movies where someone makes siren noises with their mouth while in pursuit. <laughs> and it's going to be Lethal Weapon 4 and Harry and the Hendersons. So I, uh, if you got any of those categories, get at me and I'll build those lists for us. Um, I have a line here that just yelled that just says that's not how cruise control works. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of those. In there's a lot of these where they just like yeah sure because he says that action control, sequence the action very sequence good. with it the makes, table that he's surfing on which again that is one of the best action sequences I would say I've ever seen in any movie. It's so well done. The stunt good. work is absolutely phenomenal, and the way that it's framed suspends disbelief. Like there's no reason why that table no. doesn't deteriorate. No, well um, also, but Dan, Dan, more importantly. It's it's a partial build of a prefab house that they're fighting in. Yeah, why is there a table in there? Uh, for uh, in no, case, no, 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 no. I have an answer. It's in yep. case, in case, in case Riggs and Murtaugh, who the whole world of LA in this world is aware of, get into a chase and might need to surf on the back of it. Uh, yeah. And 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 I love the move, the move where the guy's about to shoot him, so he elbows the leg off the table and yeah. throws it, and it stabs through the guy's windshield. Oh, yeah. Maron! That shit is I, amazing. I wrote, um, <laughs> someone got stuck in traffic because they decided to film this on the LA highway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
Um, the yeah. Am I to believe that there's enough space with no traffic anywhere in LA? No. For which I'm, you could facilitate any only, sort of chase scene that isn't a the, crawl. Only thing I could think of is like maybe if they went to Nevada and built a fake LA highway there yeah. for like a mile and then just kept resetting at the beginning. I forget um, what it road is they a very, say it is. Like it's not the expressway. But it's yeah, I don't um, know 405 or something. I don't know. They, I don't, yeah, it's, it's I don't some, know LA that well. It's slightly more. I don't know LA that well. I just know the traffic is bad, especially on yeah. like arteries. But the the um the the guy getting hit by the truck, um the dummy is so bad. They hold onto it a little bit too long because like he the one guy like gets into the road. Oh, and it's it's a really bad dummy getting like eviscerate like he gets i would i would say that it's a great dummy it's a great dummy but i'm saying like the 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 edit is bad because much like in three where they have the explode or yeah in three or no it was two in two where they have the the diving trailer oh the trailer um, it's that same sort of thing where it's going so far over the other side of like we're showing you this we're not cutting in a way that's good enough we need to make it clear the guys in the road but by doing that we're really making it clear this is a dummy because it's not moving at all and it, it like it has that uncanny value uh value oh, to it, it has the uncanny valley but see i'm i'm a big fan of dummies because despite the uncanny valley they are tangible and they get like rocked so to oh, yeah. me it's just kind of funny but like now you use these rubbery cgi stuntmen and it looks like garbage yeah. and so it's like but i do love that given the choice to just show to show him go ah and then have the truck go by and then adding a, a bag of blood dummy. I like that Dick Donner decide like chose like, nah, you know what? Let's explode this motherfucker. That's what kind oh. of movie this is. I love, I respect that choice. Do you know how it, what it felt like though? Is remember back on like Conan O'Brien's old show? Yeah. yeah. Show someone get like thrown out of a window. Yeah. And you would have the cut of the guy being thrown out the window. And then outside it was clearly, it was, they had one dummy for everything. Oh yeah, yeah, but then it's the just like a rag doll pops up. Yeah, yeah, just like a rag doll that falls and hits the ground, and then they do a recut of a guy like landing one foot on the ground. Yeah, like, and he like pops up. Yeah, this yeah, has that up. quality. It's that quality of it, and it's it's amazing. Once again, though, I love that Dick Donner. I I would imagine this was one of those moments in the commentary where he said once again, "That's what I love about this. They let you get away with murder." And it's oh, like, yeah. in in what other movie can you throw a dummy in front of a truck like that? Oh, and the choice of architecture, drawing boards being the thing they drive through, because yeah. there's not an architecture firm on earth that has that many drawing boards laid out. Yeah, but what an amazing choice to drive through that floor. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was hilarious. They go right through. They go right through again. Another precursor to Fast and the Furious because that's what they do to the towers in Dubai in Furious 7. But but again, every single person in that office can now sue the city of LA. I just want to be clear. And they don't have insurance. Um, uh, Let's move forward a little bit. Uh, Mel Gibson Uh, loving the homophobic confusion about Butter's Secret. The delight he finds in that is um, disturbing. It's cruel. Um, I wrote down this we We get to the dentist office. This is the my next note was the dentist scene is egregious to quote Jenna, who had just survived me running that dummy moment over and over again on the TV because I loved watching it. But to quote Jenna, we were watching that dentist scene and I was just cracking up and she says, and I quote, this is unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) So, as I said earlier, their way of distracting to get in to talk to Uncle Benny uh, is to just have to like, hey, Joe Pesci, it's like, what, like. Go be a Jew with a toothache. He's like, <laughs> okay. got it. 
<laughs> I never thought of it that way, but that yeah. is like that's the, like that, that's, that's your job. The director said that's what the director said. That's your it. that's your skill. Go your skill stupid. is go yeah. annoy these people. Yeah, go annoy people to as go a be, be a stereotype until we uh until we uh, uh, I have written here. That's not how nitrous works. Nope. And the second note is that's not how dentist office works. Yep. <laughs> you can't show up and be like ow, and they just take you. Yeah. They would have kicked him out. Also, it's quite clear that like from having lived in Philly and other places, there are some medical offices that really are aimed towards certain communities mm-hmm. where they would legit be like, hey man, you're not, like this is this is a Chinatown dentist office. Like, I think you're looking for the wrong place. And we can also refuse service to you. Like we, we don't, we don't take to, walk-ins. Yeah, we don't have walk-ins. Like you don't have a reference of anything. We don't have medical records for you. Like we're not an emergency dentist. Those do exist. Go to the dental school. Like. There are other places you can go. Like that none of this works that way. Yeah. And, but and then, that, the that, then again, Leo Getz is so good at his superpower of being a stereotype yeah. that it is somewhat reasonable, at least in the reality presented, that the doctor would be like, if only to stop you from screaming, I will drill you right now. Have you ever um, seen the, the Mel Brooks movie, High Anxiety? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it reminds me of there's a scene in High Anxiety for those for the listeners that haven't watched it, it. It is a parody of all Hitchcock movies, not just yeah. one, all of them. Um, so it's a, Vertigo, it's the shell Rear of Vertigo, Window. but it's yeah. it, it takes a scary movie approach. Yeah, and, and so, not exactly, but yeah, 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 yeah and, and rips it kind of apart. Yeah, the way the way scary movie is to scream. Uh, this but is it's too, to all Hitchcock horror. Movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a scene because he plays a therapist. He plays a, a, a psychologist. And they said, okay, well, how he needs to get a gun through a metal detector. And he said, well, the best way to do this is for us to be as loud as possible. And they go, don't you mean as quiet as possible? And he said, no, if you're loud and annoying, they'll keep you moving. If you're quiet, you draw suspicion. So he walks through with the gun, Mel, Mel Brooks's character walks through, he has a gun in his belt and he just starts making, what is this? Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And he just, you know what he does? He acts professionally loudly Jewish and they finally just wave him through. He's just such a fucking Joe Pesci is just doing Mel Brooks from high anxiety that they just wait. Like literally the security guard just goes, you know, though, it, whatever. I work, Get on I've, the plane. I've worked in customer service yeah. and the, I the hate, to, I hate to say it, but annoying customers tend to get their way because the person who has to put to in done. FaceTime with that customer is some kid who's just like, I don't, I, I don't have any personal stake in this. So go, yeah. I don't give a shit. You know? Which is, which is the baseline of all Karens. The idea of Karens asking for the manager doing all that stuff. Yeah. I've had to explain to my wife because she, we, she grew up in the city. That's a suburban thing yeah. because coming in and whining and complaining and being an asshole and being a bully and asking for the manager to a teenager where most of the jobs out here are filled up. Most of the retail jobs are actually run by people from their teens to their early twenties. You can bully the shit out of them. And eventually they just give in. Yeah, you come in, they, you're loud. They don't care. Man, man, this coupon expired three years ago. Blah, blah, blah. Fine. Whatever. Here's 35 cents. Off. Yeah. Go. Whatever. And then she feels like she has this victory. And it's the same thing Joe Pesci is doing to get into this whole scene, a scene which, which you brought up to me this week because it is the scene that a character is watching in the Peacemaker show in like episode yes. four. The day that I revisited Lethal Weapon 4, earlier that day, I watched uh, Peacemaker and in it, uh, the, the head of Peacemaker's little group, I forget his name, is watching the dentist scene and they do make a very big point at including the audio of Chris Rock saying, 
your baby is having my baby and your baby oh baby yeah which was in every trailer which is like and it's just like that is burned into the folds of my brain but in the in the context of this scene fucking insane yeah because laughing gas it's they call it laughing gas not because it makes you crack up it's because it tickles before you fall asleep that's it that's it all it is. It, it doesn't does work, not this, work way. this way. But in the realm of Lethal Weapon and other cop movies, it turns you into a laughing crazy mess, which is the worst thing to be if you need dental work done. And, and, to, be a, and to have a gun. And it, yeah, and it acts as a truth serum. Yeah. A pure truth serum that no man can resist. So yeah, they are cranking up the air, getting high on this stuff, being truthful to one another, all while eliciting a confession of whatever Benny Chan's businesses of so, counterfeiting or something like that and, and i have a note here that just says threats in front of medical professionals while illegally using controlled substances real smart rigs real smart <laughs> like to their now, credit though they were operating with a tank of explosive gas and they did yeah. not ignite it so no it's progress. true congratulations progress. yeah congratulations they Good learned work. how to operate a nitrous tank you took the- a potential lethal weapon and did yeah. not complete its transformation into a functioning lethal weapon. Also, P- potential lethal weapon energy is everywhere. Yeah. And you always turn it into kinetic lethal weapon energy. This is one instance where it remained potential. Also, Good also I want to point out this nitrous oxide tank. Like the only reason I know this isn't how this works is because I've been to a fish concert. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I have a few notes here. We finally we're, find we're, coming, out. we're coming up on an hour, so we should I probably. We're, we're wrapping here. Uh, I have a few notes to get us ra- to rapid fire us towards the end. Uh, we finally find out what the entire operation, why Jet Li is involved, what the forefathers are, yeah. all this different stuff. And I have my note here just says, in 2022, uh, this entire thing would just be a Bitcoin mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, also, next part, uh, what is the likelihood that a car would stop for a crossing train. Like, how do you expect to do a train murder with a car twice? Oh, yeah, right? they do that like, twice. In the same spot, too. In the same spot. So, like, oh, that's our just, killing intersection. Yeah, but, but, like, but, like, it doesn't... Here's the part that doesn't make sense, right? First thing, obviously, Briggs knowing how to get through it, which is smart as hell. It's like, yeah, I'll just drive forward before the yeah. train hits. Okay, cool. And whatever. I love that that causes but, them to drive into the path. Yeah, and because then, they're pushing. And then stop. Because they're pushing. Yeah. But then they decide but to stop, stop and wait because yeah. there's enough time for them to have a shot of. Ah! Yeah. yeah. Um. But also, I thought about it myself. Like, I've in ten years, Dan, in ten years, I personally have stopped for one train crossing. Yeah. I've been driving forever. Like there isn't enough trains yeah. for this. And also like, what's the likelihood of them taking yeah. this exact route? I think maybe and, collectively like, you being there time-wise for this to have like in all 37 of, of my years, I think I've maybe been in a car that stopped at a train three times collectively in my whole life. And I'd be willing to bet that one of them was because we were there to see the train. <laughs> you know like i don't think it, yeah. yeah and so to time this that is, now this, i don't this, know what los angeles's train schedules are like i don't know yeah. i now work in ocean freight i'm no longer yeah. in land freight i'm sorry um, oh ocean freight's great it's much slower i used to work in ocean freight people are um, always like hey any chance you can get this moving faster i'm like yeah let me ring up poseidon and see if i can move these seas for you it's yeah. on the water i my next note here just says again this is a federal issue 
Um, because yeah. the entire movie is a federal issue. None of this has to do with the LAPD. This whatsoever. is like a NATO issue. This is, it, it really is. <laughs> it's so extreme. Yeah, this is um, not. Yeah, they make a whole big, big deal about this international economic zone. So again, this is this is government level shit yeah, that's happening so it, here. There's the a bad Chinese guys general involved. Is quite literally what they're doing is they are buying the release of four political prisoners but they don't want to spend any money. So they are forging the money to buy them back, which is like, that's like an Ocean's Eleven level of like spend a million dollars to steal a million dollars. Like they're also, but they're also for, they're also counterfeiting Chinese money. Yeah. And then giving it to a guy in America, like on behalf of the tribe, like, like if I was going to do that and then they have like a scanner that can read money, which isn't true. um, Cause I work in money now. Like you don't, there's, Honestly, the, the, the triads, the triads yeah. of the future of crime. I guess they have um, all that stuff. I they, there's a whole thing though where they 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 kill the uh, the immigrant dad. They find the watch. They also murder Uncle Benny for seemingly no reason. Yeah, and then Riggs again just is racist at his corpse. Like Mel yeah. Gibson just like leans in and just does the whole. He does the prick you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he he calls it. Yeah, he says fried rice and prick, fried rice yeah. egg roll. There's a bunch of jokes about egg rolls constantly. It's so um, weird. Um, but I, I mean, know- think about it though. It wasn't even until last year that we started to wake up to the idea that like, there's a lot of, you know, Asian racism that well, is unaddressed. Again, this is because at the, at, in 1998, as we were being told repeatedly, I, 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 we, I mean, white suburbanites. Yeah. Yeah. More and more groups we have, we had to start treating with respect. We were being told that yeah. every year and every constantly, it seemed like it was a growing thing. So which is true and necessary. Yes. I'm, I'm not trying to say this in any sort of way to the listeners. No, no, no. I think our, our audience understands. Yeah. So from the white perspective, they're looking around and going, who's left that we can make fun of? Yeah. And they and just we were said on the edge of that. Asians. Yeah. And it just became Asian. They're like, well, we can't go. Well, what about, uh, what about Indians and Pakistanis? They're like, well, the movie Gandhi just came out. Like we didn't have... Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's just they would be these different groups. So you're like, well, you can't be racist to them. But Asians became a group that that they're like, well, they're in on it. I think, right? Well, I don't mean yeah, all. Yeah. Of them. I just mean the ones. I mean the ones overseas. As it slowly came, because the whole thing they're trying to make clear in this movie is that there's there's detective uh, detective Ng, mm. uh, who is Vietnamese, but for yeah. some reason knows everything about Chinese Chinese triads. Uh, Ng is a, is a Vietnamese name. Yeah. Um, I had to actually look up this actor because once the shootout happens, which I have a note here, it says, this is how Bitcoin will end. Um, <laughs> Always taking it to Bitcoin. I have you gotta to. love it. You got it. Um, Mel Gibson almost shoots Detective Ang. Yes. Right? Because he's Asian. And <laughs> even though he's been established throughout the movie, I looked up this actor. And Dan, you won't believe this. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the uh, Calgon, Calgon ad? Do you remember that? Ancient Chinese secret. So I, a, you know, I, you I know, know the phrase ancient Chinese Wayne, secret. Yeah, yeah, through Wayne's World. I didn't know that was a direct reference. I just thought that was a latent piece of racism that we no, no. all we so, regard Asian as mystic. So let me let me bring this back to you. How racist this entire thing is. The, the actor. So the reason why we have ancient Chinese secret is because of an ad for Calgon detergent. And the reason why it's this ancient Chinese secret is because, especially on the West Coast, um, a lot of Chinese Americans and a lot of Chinese immigrants 
worked as dry cleaners yeah. and cleaned clothes. My the reason for that, Chinese, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the reason for that is because much like Jews in banking, when Chinese uh, immigrants came to America, if they weren't working on the railroads, the next level of dirty job that was left that, that the white settlers didn't want to do was laundry. And so because of the chemicals and bleaches involved, I hate, all doing, those different I hate things, doing laundry. Yeah, all those things involved. It was a very caustic job. It's almost a job like of untouchables. Yeah, yeah. It was given to the Chinese as basically as a class. They're the radio girls, yeah. So over time, as detergents and home, home washing machines came in, there became ads of trying to make washing your own clothes seem less dirty. And also you want to have it to be to the level that you're used to from the Chinese who clearly know what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. They have a lot of secrets. Yeah, that's so, so insane. And it Calgon, makes perfect sense. Calgon made an ad saying you can get dry cleaner level cleaning in your own home using Calgon, where a woman takes the, her clothes to a dry cleaner. The, a woman uh, takes the clothes from her, the, a Japanese actress takes the clothes from her and takes it to the back. And she's like, well, how do you get it clean? And Mr. I can't remember what the actual, the, the dry cleaner's name is. He is the actor who plays Detective Ng, plays the dry cleaner in this ad. And That's he says, insane. it's an ancient Chinese secret. And then they cut to the back and where he's using the, the Calgon. is using the Calgon. And she says, ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> and like, that's literally like this incredibly racist ad from back then, tying it all the way back together to this exact moment where Mel Gibson sees an Asian man who is his friend and partner <laughs> and co-worker and just goes, ancient Chinese secret, ah, and just almost shoots him in the fucking face. So, oh man, uh, five, five stars, five star movie. Five star movie. <laughs> five star movie. Um, Dude, I didn't know that. That is fascinating. I, because I, well, the whole thing was, I was like, wait, what's what's the detective? I kept thinking they said ing, and I don't know if you have this issue, but I have like like um, win is another one. N G U N G U I E N. Yeah, yeah. Like for a long time, whenever I had uh, friends in high school, and it's it's that fucking substitute teacher moment. Yeah, where um, N G is like hard for suburbanites to understand yeah. that it's it's a. It's just a mm, noise. Yeah. Mm. But like we go like Nguyen. It's like it's it's yeah. actually Nguyen. And um, we just can't get we read it. And I've always been like, well, why don't we anglicize the, the writing of it in a way that would make more sense? But it's like, no, we've always stuck with someone decided it was NG. And so Detective Ng, in this case, is how it's pronounced in the movie. I, so I started looking it up and then I go further and further into it. It's like, who is this guy? Why is he doing this? Who is this role? He plays a lot of cops. He also played this specific role. And I went, holy shit and it blew you're just my mind. in your you're in your house with like red yarn connecting to headshots of different east asia actors i, so I like, was ah. i had eaten a gummy and i was just swimming in racism um <laughs> dude i know that life so, um, so all right that, so we got to wrap this up so one line i want to throw in there is uh you're boinking ebony clark because they reveal that murtaugh's wife is ebony clark the yes. uh, romance novelist and he's like, oh, you're boinking Ebony Clark? And he's like, no, I'm not boinking Ebony Clark. My wife is Ebony Clark. Oh, I guess I am boinking her. Yeah. This is happening in the middle of an Uzi-laden karate fight. This yes. this development, which is just I, one of those beautiful lethal weapon well, things. And, and like, this is how it happens. And much like the condom ad, he's trying to keep it quiet. 
right? Yes. And so I have a note here that says Roger is so insecure in his masculinity that he is going to be investigated for money laundering rather than admit his wife is successful. Yeah. Like that's, that's insane. Insane. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause there's definitely like part of the shame to him is the idea that she's writing something sexually lewd. But the other part is that his wife is now the primary breadwinner. Yes. Um, also, um, which which brings me to a point on this one is this is the fourth Lethal Weapon movie um, in a row that has failed the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, I, um, um, I, I want to point out that Jet Li has been running around this entire movie snapping people's windpipes with a flick of a wrist. Yes, and also um, he does the fishing wire kill. The fishing wire. kind of nice. Um, but um, and, um, Mel Gibson is such a thick-necked fucking bigot that it doesn't work yeah. on him. <laughs> this, um, uh, this was actually my first introduction to, like I had heard the name Jet Li because I've always liked, uh, you know, yeah. like foreign cinema. Uh, and I love Jackie Chan, so like I kept up with the karate movie. Yeah, this was my first Jet Li movie as a And this kid. is the first time, and I remember one of my friends saw Lethal Weapon before I did, and he was like, this Jet Li guy, and he like real conspiratorially was like, I think he might be faster than Jackie Chan. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. I just but, remember like, people it's saying crazy. That... This was a star-making turn, and yes. then we kind of did wrong by Jet Li just career-wise. 100%. Yeah. Um, Although well, Unleashed, a.k.a. Danny the Dog, primo stuff. Is amazing. But also with this one, um, also that what was it? Was it called One? Where he, he fights the multiversal oh, where versions all of, of the Jet Li's kick, kick each other's yeah. asses to including become the best Sur- Jet Li? Including Surfer Jet Li. Oh, um, yeah. The blonde Surfer Jet Li. Um, the... Um, uh, yeah, this is this for me. I remember this being the first Jet Li movie that was like really getting popular around around me out here. And I remember one friend being like, I think he's better than Bruce Lee. And then <laughs> someone else saying, I think they're related. And I was like, they're spelled differently. <laughs> yeah, he it's might be related different spelling for to Lee. Bruce Lee to uh, are you familiar with Bruce Bloitation? Oh, yeah. Bruce Bloitation is like the movies that spun after yeah, Bruce Lee's after death Bruce Lee, where that would star somebody Bruce named Lee. Bruce Lee. And it would be with either an I or one yeah. E. And it's just another, you know, blank, yeah. blank slate guy. Um, um, I so, have, so, this is yeah. where I made the note of when Murtaugh cracks his neck, it means he doesn't miss a shot because he does mm-hmm. that here. Um, they do this thing. Will me to you, Riggs. Will me to you. Yes. Where they're connected psychically through will, and they sort of coax that idea throughout the throughout the movie, but not majorly. But yeah. then here, Riggs literally mentally communicates with Murtaugh while he's drowning under a pile of uh, which of rubble and lie, rebar. That fight between the two of them and Jet Li is a uh, great stuff. Really so, so, great stuff. So I have I have two I I have uh, a couple notes here for that one. Right. First thing, once they hit the water, I'm giving us five minutes because it's okay. almost five o'clock. I'm, I'm almost wrapped. We're I'm gonna go wrapped. see last podcast on the left tonight. Okay, yeah, oh, that's a good podcast. Yeah, um, I, I wrote. Of course, the superior communist made AK-47 can still fire after being underwater for who knows how long. That's a uh, satisfying these, moment, though. Though, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, my next line just says predator Danny Glover wouldn't have put up with any of this. Nope. Um, not a chance. And then for the Wilmy part is only the power of friendship could lift the concrete. It's uh, true. It is. That happens in a lot of movies. Friendship helps lift, lift heavy things, friendship um, and going like this, uh, that helps. Um, the Joe Pesci froggy story makes zero sense. And is the story of a lonely man who is easily manipulated through an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what a great la- moment. And here's the, here's the thing. Uh, wait, now I've lost it. Um, at the end of that fight, this is why I think it is like a closing chapter is that they both 
reference that they're getting that's too old, too, for, this too old for this shit yeah what a beautiful thing it is it is and then and because that's go, when we reach the point where we're like yeah i think we're getting too old for it as yeah. well <laughs> well the the um i have my t- last two my last two notes is um lol women be shopping and screaming during pregnancy yes uh because they had to be lean shopping. into that trope oh yeah um also you're not during this entire time when they they focus on renee russo and mel gibson Murtaugh has now vanished it's just him and joe pesci um meanwhile his granddaughter is being born at the same time yeah so like you could have done a cut back and forth juxtaposition i am suddenly struck with paranoia that sometime over this two episode odyssey i accidentally called renee russo renee zellweger i don't know if that happened but if i did i'd like to posthumously that's not the right word you usually call her by her you usually call her lorna i called her lorna yeah Yeah. you called her lorna i've been though i've been calling her renee russo the entire time because i refuse to women to to learn uh women characters names um (laughs) lorna cole the last uh, the last note I have is just Mel Gibson being married by a Jewish rabbi. That's it. That's the tweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the and that's the franchise right there. That's the franchise right it. there. Because uh, shortly after this, like about twelve years later, uh, Mel Gibson uh, during a drunken DUI stop uh, accused uh, after calling a female police officer sugar tits, um, spouting a bunch of other racist nonsense did ask um, if, some, if a officer was Jewish because you know Jews, they cause all the world's wars. So um, having it spin to this moment- It's a big jump from, a from big smashing jump. a glass, yeah. Well, and the, the part that's wild about it is like, I remember these movies coming out. My family used to watch, um, we'd watch CBS Evening News from 6.30 to seven. And then from seven to 7.30, we'd watch Entertainment Tonight. We watched it religiously. Every night at the dinner table, we had a TV, um, you know, there in the kitchen. And we'd watch this shit. And I remember the big push, especially around Lethal Weapon 4 era of, of Mel Gibson's career, was that Mel Gibson, oh my God, not only is he a charmer, not only is he handsome, but Dan, did you know he likes to play practical jokes? Oh, he's like and a regular George would, Clooney. He's the regular George Clooney. He's such a practical joker. But literally none of them would ever cover the fact that his dad was a virulent racist and a Holocaust denier. Uh, the fact that Mel uh, would, was an alcoholic. Raging uh, alcoholic. Raging alcoholic. That's something psychopath. that I wanted to point out. In part four, you can tell that the alcoholism era has started. Because yeah. in part four, he is considerably redder. He's yes. considerably wider. Yes. And the way that he performs, uh, there, there's... Uh, it's a lot more ADR. A lot there, more yeah, ADR. a lot more ADR. And there's a little looseness to it that like his charm comes through. But you can see there's an impairment there. But, but also one of those things, too. But it's also, it's one of those things too, is as the movies progress, like the first three movies, it makes sense who they're adding. By the time we get more Chris Rock and we get more Joe Pesci um, and other characters, it's to fill in the fact because Mel Gibson is so fucking drunk that he can't, they can't trust him for the screen. Yeah, time. it's, it, we're not going to get that same, yeah. we're not going to get a nuanced performance. No, we, I, we, um, we need to show his face every now and then and have a fucking stunt guy jump off a roof. And we coast on star power. Yeah. I have two notes about the plot. One is when they're in the hospital at the end, they kind of like brush against an old lady and like steal, I think they steal like her, her IV bag or something. I, I forget what it is. And uh, it's heavily implied that she shits herself as a result because yes. they, they all ask what's that smell and then she runs away, tee hee and shame. Yeah. And then my final note is when the when uh 
Leo Leo gets a uh, a single use Polaroid camera out of a vending machine, which is a yes. very 1999 move. Very at the hospital, uh, no, a, a Kodak. It's actually a Kodak, a Kodak which yep. makes sense that that would exist in the maternity wing of for that for actually conveniently timed births. But when they bring out the babies and he offers the camera to one of the orderlies and says, "Hey, can you take a picture for us?" The guy says, "Are you all friends?" And everybody. As if Dominic Toretto was there, says, no, we're family. Family. And as watching the Lethal Weapons, these do exist in some way, at least in my taste as a precursor to why I enjoy those stupid fast movies, is because of that earnestness. And once again, they have predated both the action style, the plotting style, the weird melodramatics, the constant Flandersization. They have also asserted that these are not my friends. These are my chosen family. Yeah. Um, they did it before Fast and Furious, and I got to give the credit. Family is who you make it. Um, the other thing, too, that they do is, is the credits roll with the shots, the the uh, the, the pictures, behind-the-scenes pictures, yep, and all the different things of them, being, of them being family, of the other, of ADs and different and people, PAs. That's so charming because you get the sense this was the same cast. This is a lot of the, the same, same crew. Like, like, they crew, kept yep. everything consistent from day one except Shane Black. And it is, of course, set to the best song from the soundtrack, War's Classic. Why can't we be friends? Yes. Why can't we, we be friends? Why can't we um, be friends? So what I will say is, is when we began this um, over five hours ago, uh, recording this, but even longer, over six weeks ago, when I yes. watched the first Lethal Weapon, you I did really not did know. did sit here for five hours today. <laughs> yeah. I did not know. I did not know what um, I was in, in, involved in. I didn't mm. know what I was about to take off on. Um, and what I've learned from this is I am never texting you about a movie again. Oh, no, you got to come Ever. back on. This is so much fun. This is, a, this is a lot of fun. Ages. So final question before we go. Yes. What's your ranking? Not Now, no objectivity. This comes down to your favorites. Uh, Rank your two, lethal weapons. Two, one, four, three. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. That yeah, might no, be- I've been thinking about this one a lot because two is two. Like, the most yeah, you fun. Said, two is the most fun, but also it hit the stride, has the absolute best villain the most actual real life problematic, but as a movie villain, least problematic villain. Yeah. Um, one establishes everything is probably the most uh, real, like in their world, really. I think it's the most cohesive movie in terms it's of- It's the char- most grounded. It's the, I said in my reviews, them. the first movie has character. Yes. The rest has characters. Yes. The um the first movie is 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 the building block of everything. It's Shane Black does a great job with it. The fourth movie is a good return to formula. Yeah. Um, you know what? If the third movie is New Coke or New or Pepsi Clear, yeah. it's a the, legacy. Sequel, it's yeah. a legacy. It's it really is a nostalgia movie. Um, that is for a movie that it was not around long enough to be nostalgic about. Yeah. Um, but it is it is that build on it. And the third movie is a flaming pile of shit, which is why we talked about it for so long because it's so fucking bad. Three I hate is it. totally bananas. I hate you. I don't um, ever <laughs> want to speak to you again. Well, after watching three, like. Honestly, God, I I almost couldn't watch four. I yeah, I was like, I don't hate three, but one of the reasons I love it is because it's fucking terrible. Well, three was they didn't know what they were doing with three. Four was designed to fill the wall at Blockbuster. Yeah. So for those of you guys who are too young, when you used to go to Blockbuster, when there was a big Blockbuster release, like a movie that is going to be really popular, you'd go in and a whole section of the wall, the new releases, would just be one movie. Because they would run out of copies. It took me like six weeks to get There's Something About Mary. 
Yeah, but there's certain movies that you knew because they would only get like, they get 50 copies of this one movie. So like, look, we have 50 copies of it. Everyone's gonna yeah. be able to see this movie, whatever you want. And I remember coming in and seeing like Lethal Weapon being a big one on that wall. Um, yeah, Something About Mary was another one, but there's other ones that are sleeper hits. And then there were smaller movies they would only get one or two copies of. Because yeah. like not as many people were gonna rent this. This was designed to fill the wall at Blockbuster. This oh, whole yeah. movie was designed and the, the targeting of it and everything. And I thought it was great. Um, at, in 1998, um, looking back on it, holy shit! Wow, they're, they're artifacts. They they ultimately become, as most movies do, and specifically blockbusters, they become cultural artifacts. So, thank you again, everybody, for joining us on this odyssey. We will be, I will be back in two weeks with uh, something new. Check the socials for that. You can do that at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. Uh, I am at Dan Scully on all the things. Check out scullyvision.com. We are part of the Movie John Podcast Network. Uh, sep- uh, February 16th at Helium. Yes, for Satoyo. For Satoyo, support that guy. Yep, follow, um, uh, follow at Them Boys Pod, follow at Alex Perlman on Twitter. Uh, you can use that to find me on other random places because I'm sure from there you'll see me post about stuff. But Dan, it's been a pleasure being here. I wish it's been a pleasure person because I would have spent five hours we'll in a beautiful in. apartment. Uh, we'll get you point, in soon. We'll make it happen. Some point, or maybe you come out to me. How you I can do that, that too. You come out to me. I want to meet the dinner. dog. You got to meet the dog. You got to see this house. Got to do the thing. I'm into it. All right. All right. I'm getting too old for this shit. We got to cut it. <laughs> hey, 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 Dan. Before you hit stop. Bone Tomahawk, buddy. Hey, Bone Tomahawk! Ah, ah, ah.